Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benna. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And we've been chatting in our pre-show with our, our live patrons about uh, being five years since the uh, the birth of IT World of Sport, reminiscing over that, talking some non-league football, uh, <laughs> shared sponsors yeah. uh, from our from our pump from the 90s, a lot of chats about NFs, NEC, I was going to say NFC then, that's a different kind of thing, <laughs> JFC, <laughs> <laughs> Candy, the uh, the maker of my new brand spike and fridge downstairs, all kinds of great memories, JP. Oh, Great memory. Shirt sponsors maketh the shirt, really, in football terms. I mean, my Republic of Ireland 1990 top has Opal on it as well. And you oh, know, I'd, I'd like to think, yeah, I'll work for them once. If I'm thinking of buying a car going retro, I'm assuming as a company they don't exist. I find it very hard to believe that they're still around in any current don't form. Think they are yeah. What, what, what's the uh, like for me? The classic Arsenal is JVC mm. as well. Gareth, that's the classic Liverpool for you. As a fan, it's probably got to be Carlsberg, but I think when you look at kits, I think the crown 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 paints because it's always just that association with that that era of actually yeah. being good. Mm. Is it the '86 top they've got? Is crown paints with, with crown paints? Yeah, there's that period just like post Hitachi for about like three or four years in there. I noticed he picked up '86 uh, what the year of a uh, year of beating Liverpool in the uh, League Cup final there. JP, going straight for that hey, one. Go for the JP. and Russ's record up. Those, th- those were the dads. Well, it was going to be Everton's period of glory, wasn't it? Until well, mate, were, you know, if, if them lads behave themselves, you know, who knows? So, you've got to get that way. right into that fucking debate. <laughs> I'll tell, tell, tell you what, if, uh, if, if that hadn't happened, that Milan side of Van Basten, Hullet, and Rijkaard was in fucking big trouble, wasn't it? At the, uh, hands, right. of, at the, hands, of, at the hands of Alan Harper and. Um, Hell <laughs> of a defender. Neil Criminally Point. underrated. <laughs> and Dave. Watson. Gary Lineker still Good. the bomb, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Cotty. <laughs> to seal off that third European Cup in a row. Sliding doors, mate. Sliding doors, yeah. John Eberl could have uh, could have been a you know, world champion. Who knows? <laughs> it's like the same sliding doors if, you know, if IT World of Sports had worked out, you know. The uh, the Gallascourt boys could have been playing on the other side, you know. Um, British Bulldog Junior could have been the biggest star in, uh, in wrestling. Unfortunately, not to be either. You're telling me he isn't? Baby boy Smith. <laughs> Apparently he works for yeah. WWE again. Did you, he, got, he got picked up, didn't he? And like he did like that one dark match. What's he doing? He did a promo and then he just disappeared again. Like they're just like, he's shit, you know, let's just not bother. Like even they recognise he, he's just a bit shit. Does he go into work? <laughs> Does he have to go anywhere? Or is Good he just question. like, I'm just gonna stay here? Mm. I'm just gonna see if anyone notices. Because mm. I reckon six months, seven months. Just pray that no one on the internet asks a question of where's Davey Boy Smith Jr. Go? He's one of them WCW wrestlers, isn't he? Like the people who are like this is, is it Barry Darcy and a couple cheek. of others. Yeah. This, is, this is Lanny Poffo. This. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just on the list. You see Poffo and go, yeah, that's savage anyway. Move on. Who, who's next? You somehow get away with <laughs> having a contract for all that time. That's what he's going for. I respect it because it's better than he was at actual wrestler. Um, I, I was glad when that blood sport rolled around a couple of weeks ago and he wasn't in there. Boring the fucking pants of everyone with uh, with Josh Barnett doing a, a fake real fight. I think to be fair though, I think he got his job. Honestly, I think 
Remember when um, Brett got attacked by that fan at the Hall of Fame? Oh, and, like, yeah. He was one of the first in there, wasn't he? Which, to be fair, is where you want him. Like probably the best thing he's ever done in his career. Maybe he's been a, he's given her a, a contract as a reward. And Cash Hall was quite brutal, fucking oh, right-handed. Got some good digs in there. Absolutely fucking twatted him, didn't he? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, the lad deserved it anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from all that, I was going to say, Gareth, it's been a little while since we've, uh, we've had you. We missed you, uh, missed you last week, mate. Obviously, we've recorded other things since, but still, three listeners have missed you. <laughs> How have you been? You were all right. You have a good trip away. Yeah, it was it was good. I had, like, it was uh, just a little trip back of our own. And um, yeah, just it was a bit of an odd one. Sarah's folks were up there in the Lake District, so we thought, oh, we might as well make a make a trip of it and see my folks as well so just yeah had a little uh had a little time up there they went and walked some fells i went and walked the streets of uh working and walked past various pound shops and charity shops and things like that while they uh took in the uh took in the mountains and the uh beautiful uh, cumbrian air anyway any good gregs there or sayers or there's no no sayers there's a uh there's a muffin break Oh. Yeah, you could enjoy 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 a bit of muffin break, Benno. That's a bit of a uh, muffin. It's a bit break. of a. That's a. It's a bit of a. It's, I think it must be a like Tory a localized thing. I've, filthy, I've never seen. So, it, it, well, <laughs> I was going to say it sounds dirty. <laughs> Saucy bitch. <laughs> 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 it's a it's a bit of a pound bakery, but oh. I think I don't know if I've, I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's just a Cumbrian thing. I'm a bit uh, like a, a, a proper north thing. Um, not like. <laughs> Is it muffin? Well, it is. That is. No, no. It's it's like a. It's just like a Greg's kind of uh, thing. But like, you know, that's sort of a half Greg's, half Costa style thing. You'd love it. But, I think um, I would. I hear Costa. But, uh, no, it's like Costa. Well, proper enough, JP. It's what we used to say when we were like when we were playing rugby league, and you'd 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 draw like some team from Wigan away in the cup, and you'd be like there on the pitch, and you'd be like going like you fucking southern bastards, and the, and you could see them all getting like dead confused and things like that. Be, like proper just mess with the Reds. <laughs> There you go. Away from Wigan. <laughs> Could get more northern than that pies, you know. Which is overblown, by the way. I've never really had a good pie in Wigan. Um, but uh, have you, yeah, had a, have you had a pie bomb in Wigan? Never, no. I've seen them advertised them. Yeah, but like uh, there was a point where GPW started having pies on, and I, I wasn't going to shows at that point, so I feel like I missed out. But I've definitely been past like places that have advertised like a pie bomb. Um, which is a delicacy, you know. We still we need to get JP one. We'll take you around, JP, when you're uh, you're possibly coming up yeah, in uh, December, aren't you? We might be doing the North Show yes. and, uh, and going up to Newcastle. Maybe we'll uh, we'll give you a bit of a tour of all these different places. I need to go to a muffin break myself. I'll have to uh, experience that. I'll I'll happily experiment. <laughs> There's a kids going to North Allerton. I, was there a muffin break when you blown. went to Leeds, JP, or was did not have them there? No, there wasn't. There we go. There was no breaks. <laughs> Motherfucker. Um, <laughs> when I used to go to North Allerton as a kid, you'll be making me out of that. When I went to North Allerton as a kid, it was like, what's this dandelion and burdock stuff? Never heard of this before in my life. And it was just like, because they just didn't have it down south. They didn't have Seabrook's crisps down south. That was the kind of like, it just. It was just, I don't know, it was very weird. Mm. Like going to kind of, you know, it's like the Peter K joke about fucking, you know, going to Spain and seeing there's Cadbury fingerheads. But it did feel like a slightly alternate universe of like, why am I not allowed to see this stuff being sold in London? What's, <laughs> like, what am I missing? Mm. How does it taste? All right. What, Dundelion and Burdock isn't like, what? 
that's not like a national drink. It wasn't. It wasn't a national drink, I swear to God. I couldn't. I never saw it in London because my mum would have been buying it. You didn't have like that in like cream soda when it was like green in like the glass bottles, none of that. I remember the glass bottles thing. Mm. And then obviously the idea of living in England in the 80s, that was a very handy weapon to throw uh, around the place as well. Mm. Um, did, you, did you have a pop van that used to come and like drive past and it would just like have all like bottles of pop in there and like cream soda and, you know, but clearly not dandelion and burdock, but lemonades and bottles of Coke <laughs> and like, not you know, jag Coke, not real Coke. Yeah, like, roller cola. Yeah. Muffin break is on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, I was gonna say. Oh, like, I'm always shocked when I go like now, like you, like anywhere you go, everywhere's the fucking same, isn't it? But like, like I, you know, even things like all of our Chinese takeaways are also fish and chip shops, like up in Liverpool, and like curry sauce on chips is just a normal thing that's done in these kinds of establishments. But like, the further you go down south, this is not this isn't the reality you live, Jake. Yeah. You were in a you imparted to this stuff. It's you. There's just hard yeah. lines between the different types of shops. Salt and vinegar, mate. That's what it was. <laughs> it's mainly probably to shower miserable bastards. Basically, you just didn't fucking humour any of this stuff. I mean, like, admittedly, we I grew up near a kind of I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, really, but like a lot of kebab houses, like big, big Greek Cypriot area, and my mm. God, you could just get some ridiculous kebabs. Well, like, uh, and it was see, we yeah, missed out on that mighty food. Like yeah. Liverpool, I think, because it was like a big area where, like, you know, in a lot of other northern cities where, you know, there was a lot of like Chinese immigration, like, the, the, like, there'll be like, I feel like that must be the story of what happened. Like, all these Chinese families came and like opened up their own takeaways, and then enough scousers went in with, hey, love, can you do us a pie? That eventually they were just like, okay, we sell pies now. <laughs> ah, fine, <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay, we make chips. <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> and we got our way eventually. Requires li- less work, put yeah. it that way, than making chow mein. Buy a deep fat fryer and you're in business. Here's your savaloy and I've done with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Liam says here, proper chip chef has curry sauce and Chinese curry sauce as individual choices. Chinese curry sauce. I think I, I like that idea. Though. That's vaguely racist, isn't it? Mm. Was that something you learned when you came to Liverpool, Gareth, or was there a, a northeast thing as well? What a <laughs> northeast, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, curry, curry sauce up there. Right? Mm. But it was uh, what you don't have down here is pies. That, um, that oh, was I... what I used to. That would be like my thing from back home. You'd have like patty and chip, and it was basically like sort of like sausage meat and stuffing surrounded by potato and then deep fried. I remember coming to Liverpool and going in the chippy and asking for a patty and chips. And like them just looking at me like I was fucking mental, and I was trying, I was trying to describe a patty to them, and then they just like were just looking at me, just like there was this fucking weirdo. And then so, eventually, after about five chippies attempts, I realised, oh yeah, patties is one of these cumbrian things that I can't, uh, I can't get down here. Even when you said patty, then the way you said it was the most cumbrian you've ever sounded. <laughs> it's like another language. <laughs> you might. It's, it's just these these things because I don't like. And as when I first moved down here, I like I'd, I'd ask for a coke, like if I was wanting a glass of coke. And then people, like, I've I've been handed corks, you know, like, like on, on, on multiple occasions by people like behind bars. And then so I had to adapt it over the years to ask for a coke if I want a coke. <laughs> Got to pronounce the coke. <laughs> coke. 
I can't do it. No, that's, that's terrible. That's just rude and insulting. I apologise for that statement to both of you. Yeah, we just make it up as you go on. Kook, boof, all kinds. It's uh, <laughs> it's a confusing language. Is uh, there's different scouts. But I was going to say there on the other subject of everyone being mm. the same. We were talking about that, weren't we? With the uh, the Ogdens managed to see you for uh, a pint yesterday, Gareth, when you were on your uh, your way to TNT. Um, it is. It's it's the same everywhere now. We're talking like pint prices and stuff. Like go to London, six pounds a pint. Go around Liverpool, it's five pounds a pint. You're not doing any better. It's kind of the same, really, isn't it? But it was nice to see the Ogdens and have a little, uh, a few drinks yesterday. Yeah, defo. It was uh, like obviously like going the show was good, but it was just good that you could like pop along because God, when was the last time we just had a pint? <laughs> like, <laughs> I said I got the best part. I didn't have to go to the wrestling. I just came for a beer. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> Did you get the flyers printed? <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> Missed on that opportunity. And you got the best pint as well. Mm. We swerved me at the bar there and ended up with the better option. Oh, yeah. It was like both kind of like, like own brand IPA or something, wasn't it? And I got like the honeycomb pale ale. It's good beer. Yeah, good yeah. yeah. Jimmy's. Was that the ship and loiter? No, Jimmy's. I was there late. I. I was going with like a meal with my family. I managed to drag my brother and his um, his girlfriend to the ship and loiter after the meal and my two-month-old nephew came to the ship and mighty yeah. with us i was really proud i was like you know what i was like 25 by the time i went to ship and mighty and had a decent pint we thought we fed him a pint but two months old he's in the ship and mighty he's done well i would tiago's doing well. <laughs> tiago that is his name he's half uh portuguese so tiago benson right sorry i thought it was a reference to tiago alcantara there it might be, that like, might be where wow, come from. that's a brave statement to assume that he's going to come really good in a liverpool shirt to the point where you name your child after him. But... and my brother is a liverpool supporter so there could be something yeah. to that portuguese mum seems as good a reason as any so. yeah You'll do well in school. I think. It's, a bit, it's a better reason than the footballer, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's very true. I'm oh, just looking at the uh, the chat here. Yeah. Um, uh, people are saying Dylan said we don't with a Northern girl and it kept, kept saying pop instead of coke. That was one pop, was one that, uh, that came yeah. up a lot with that sort of thing. It's like, it's like grandparent slang, that pop. Um, used to hear that a lot. Uh, yeah, Will's yeah I said that before. I, I said that before. Pop van, and I got a bit of a blank look from both Oh, of you. I get what you mean. Now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ice cream vans. You have ice cream uh, vans down south, JP. Of course, we've ice cream vans down Just south. Just checking. Like, I don't know. You seem to be missing out on lots of other things. Have, we did. What did no, they sell kebabs? I tell you what, they didn't fucking sell. They didn't sell lolly ices. Ah, yeah, yeah. Lolly ices. Scousers call ice, lo- ice lollies lolly ices. No, everyone else calls lolly ices ice lollies. Like, I don't know what's up with this, but. <laughs> <laughs> lolly ices. My God. Like, what's. Just taking the piss in Liverpool now. <laughs> After a while. Is that your line, JP? Is that where it's, uh, it's it too far? Just taking the. Making up the language as you go along. And God bless. <laughs> You're doing a good job at it. Um, yeah, no, we had we had them. I mean, obviously, I grew up in a in a steady ninety nine era of uh, of them. You could even get the oysters once, hundreds and thousands, thousand red and good. chocolate sauce. Oh yeah, cider lollies, simpler times. <laughs> cider lollies and uh, and fig cigarettes, and we all thought we were grown ups. Uh, that was there. That was how you lived as a kid. I do, I do always laugh at that Peter Kay thing. There's an ice cream man he plays, and one who sells pornos out of the out of one of the freezers. That he plays, PK. I would highly recommend it as the precursor to Phoenix Knights. Blue Ray. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Ray. 
Whatever happened to Peter Kang? That's a bit something, isn't it? What's, what happened? Well, they need to load the gigs like a while ago and then just didn't turn up. I'm sure that's a thing. Just given up. Mm. <laughs> County Wicklow, they call the ice cream fan the honky man. Oh, as a wrestling fan, you know you'd love that. Here comes the honky talk man van. <laughs> Go on, honky tonk. <laughs> Oh, you ever hidden with the fucking guitar? Yeah. <laughs> We've gone completely off the rails here. Yeah, uh, but to take us on track, not as off the rails as we did on Friday. <laughs> what are you going to say, Gareth? I was just going to say, very much like the pre-show. The, yeah. the pre-show today was just <laughs> bizarre, wasn't it? Nah. it was just... I think we're all still um, a little bit tired slash drunk from uh, from the weekend. Like fri- Friday night, oh. we uh, me. We yeah uh, we co- recovered a lot of stuff. Uh, me and JP started at eight. Garrett joined it as na- uh, was at nine. I think we were doing about one. Got a live watch along of uh, wrestlers versus zombies in there, as well as a RoboCop review in the uh, the film club episode. But fuck me, that was a uh, that was a fun Friday night. I really enjoyed. Um, I don't. I think watching wrestlers versus zombies on my own time would have been half as much mm. fun as uh, as that was. And like we were saying <laughs> yesterday, Gareth, we ended up, I think at the end of it, we were arguing over it was a one-star or a one-and-a-half star movie. That's the uh, the levels of <laughs> depth we went to. But we got to see a four-and-a-half-star film in uh, in Robocop this week as well. So the uh, the film club double bill worked out. Oh, it was great. I thought just that as a format, just, mm. just being able to just... Just watch it along and get all the comments coming in, and that because again, like you say, it's just one of them films that if you imagine just like sitting down for the afternoon, stone cold sober, and just being like, "Oh, I'm going to watch Restless versus Zombies," like it just would have been absolute hell. But just like watching it with some other people there and just having a laugh of it, it was uh, it was it was funny. Fucking hell, Shane Douglas, <sighs> who's somehow the star <laughs> oh. of the movie, like you know, Piper's in it, you know, Kez Angle's in it at one point, like there's. Definitely yeah. bigger stars than Shane Douglas, but like the entire film. Jim Duggan, mate, Jim Duggan is bigger yeah. than Shane Douglas. <laughs> yeah, but like Rebecca Reb- 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 Sky is, is a bigger star than Shane but Douglas. He's, he's playing himself. He's walking around in his you know franchise T-shirt. He's got kids in the movie who are also constantly walking around in franchise T-shirts. I, I don't know what he did to her to get this role, JP. But I don't know, biggest biggest one of his life. It's an incredible performance because he's clearly decided that this character has to have zero redeeming features um <laughs> including the bit where he kills his brother's wife and then just declares i didn't like that bitch anyway <laughs> this is great, great line yeah kills him to kill several members of his family doesn't he mm. just like in a row one after another um there's a lot of scenes of him running yeah i mean as as an experience you have to watch this with other people it's it's the only way to kind of enjoy it if we were watching this as like i would have had to take a break every 25 minutes and go do i write any of this down do i need to take notes <laughs> no nah, it was like the perfect format of it because then we just went into the conversation straight afterwards yeah if um, you made notes they'd be like number one there was a 3d in this movie like somehow they work that yes. into a zombie oh. film <laughs> The two, as we were talking about before, all because like there was definitely a heavy TNA tie into this movie. Most of the wrestlers featured <clears> the, <throat> the TNA type guys. There was 
definitely a, a feel of like a sage or a you know a classic um tna style entrance theme so throughout this thing there was definitely a couple of moments where we thought it might well be jeff hardy himself or or it could have been fozzy uh once or twice as well uh, on not on the tna bit but there, was, there must have been like 30 different i think somebody literally looked it up and there were 30 different songs in this thing yeah. it was like they were just at a, they got to a point where they were like listen the script's fucking shit so we'll just have a load of fight scenes where the wrestlers are doing wrestling spots and we'll just keep playing music and somehow we'll get to 90 minutes that's basically what this movie is uh, yeah, Chris and I point out. Get to 90 uh, minutes as well. Like, yeah, you were checking the time, and it was, <laughs> it's like 45 minutes gone, and there's still 45 minutes left. It was just like, <laughs> what can possibly happen now? Like, oh. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Well, it was, but he wasn't, he, he, he was an executive producer, wasn't he? Shane Douglas, I think. I seem to remember that from the start and credits. <laughs> then. So, 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 so he's lost his, for his, for his big starring role, he's clearly lost his ass on it. And, yeah. uh, just, to, just to be the main man. That house show they run they show the matches out which starts the whole chain of events where it goes from <laughs> shane douglas kills a man in the ring to shane douglas is being hunted down by a zombie army headed up by what can only be described as a racially motivated irish accent there. <laughs> you were so offended yeah it, there's bad irish accents and it's just like you just go no 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 right I know he's called Angus. Let's mm. just pretend he's Canadian and we move on with this. All right. <laughs> right. Than, than anything else. The, the accent was just weird. He turned out to be a devil worshiper slash indie promoter. So, you know, not entirely <laughs> with, without some kind of merit. Um, please. Someone was studying their Shikara. And it's just a wild, wild show. Really? Do you not remember the really sentimental scene, which is a bit like in um, Shaun of the Dead, where Simon Pegg has to shoot his mum, where Roddy Piper has to kill uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan with his own two-by-four? <laughs> That's real. <laughs> That's not real. That's the big Roddy Piper that. said this. He went from They Live, like a genuinely good movie, with an actually good performance from him, and he's got all this, you know, possible, you know, we could have been a movie star, and it didn't turn out for him, and we were going on about that during our They Live film club, and he was reduced to doing wrestlers versus zombies, and yeah, killing Hacksaw Jim Duggan with his own 2 by 4 Poor Piper. All right, Peter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Piper, the romantic lead, as well at the end <laughs> with the girl who's well, like 40 years as junior. Oh, mm. which is which is tame it's, in wrestling terms, as the, as the uh, <laughs> and as the uh, as the Canadian Scotsman poses in front of the stars and stripes for the bigger uh, patriotic oh, yeah. ending as well. Oh, <laughs> well. I, Chris is saying here it's not it, Chris in the chat is saying it's not even the actor's voice which mm. um, it was for sure, <laughs> sure. whoever decided that like I'd like to have a word it was really it was it, I mean it's awful but it's fun to watch with other people but then we had a lovely palate cleanser afterwards gonna say we? Yeah, RoboCop definitely helped. Uh, not, not really a Halloween film, although a lot of people dress up as Robo for Halloween, so I feel like it's uh, <laughs> it's acceptable. Uh, we, yeah, we threw that in at the end. It was the uh, the tie in the ball. Halloween type thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's all the same. It's all the same. But no, that that was good. My first time seeing the movie as well, so we got to uh, have a nice chat about that. That was it. Was it was going from like a, a movie that was like you know. 
half a star to a one star range to like four to five star range. Like that was the the difference in uh in, in outlook. But no, I'm glad glad I got to see that and uh, and talk with you. It will now be a family in my uh, my Christmas movie slash. It gets a bit cold and just fancy throw, follow, throwing a load of eighties movies on kind of playlist. Uh, I'm glad I did it. And we, yeah. like you said, we'll uh, we'll have to do Robocop two at some point. Oh yeah, uh, we said we we agreed to do a double bill, but mm. possibly when we next get around to these of uh, Cockney versus Cockneys versus Zombies with RoboCop two, <laughs> which feels like we've moved very away from the whole wrestling theme. Ah, of, it'll of, be a tie. The shows we do now to like it. Yeah, but that's fine. I'm perfectly good with that. So yeah, a, a great fun. Have a listen up. I don't know whether or not the YouTube video is there, but if you sign up for the Patreon, you'll you'll see the link for that. Yeah. And, See a lot of our reactions at the time. Gareth with his head in his hands for what appears to be a good five minutes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, one point. Yeah, fingers crossed the YouTube is still there because we were flying close to the sun with that. Uh, we did get a did get copyright dinged in a, just in Ireland. It seems at the minute. So apologies to the Irish. Uh, if anybody does want to rewatch the thing, give me a shout. I can send you a a hooky link, just like we were watching a hooky copy of the, uh, the movie live. So we'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, that was um, that was that was that. And obviously, there's going to be lots more uh, coming up on the on the Patreon, JP. The daily news updates yes. on that, and lots more. Yeah. We've got the news updates, but I think next show we're doing is about Zack Sabre Jr. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully we're going to get thanks uh, to uh, Robert lined Brocky up. That we, that we, for the shout on that. Yeah, thanks to Robert Brocky. Um, so we, we're going to we're going to be doing that. Um, obviously, I'm there doing the the, the original wrestling daily update uh, kind of person. Just to throw that out, no, God, uh, <laughs> John and Wade is going to be a lot better than mine, and certainly a lot more professional. And I'll have much more in the way of in-depth analysis. And I don't think I'll be sneering at wrestler deaths, which we haven't had one for a while. I'll just throw that out there. Well, well. fun, then, so, is there? Come on, we need, to, we need some staring at wrestler deaths. Exactly. I think you might well have peaked with Super Porky at that point. With the, um, <laughs> that might well be the high point slash low point of the daily updates. Mm. So that's the, So we've got... We're due loads of other shows to, to be coming out as well, including like our mixtapes, flashbacks. Um, yeah, Matty's going to be joining, gonna... joining us for a five to one as well. That should be a laugh. Oh, get in. So, yeah. And and hopefully, like I say, we're going to have uh, have some great guests on there as well. So, yeah, lots more on that. Patreon.com forward slash grapple. Well, I was going to say to get us into the uh, the more current stuff. I mean, one thing I'm I'm dead proud of we did on the uh, the Patreon this last week is uh, me and you, JP, did some some breaking mm. news audio um, last week when the uh, the news broke of either Ring of Honor's impending doom or Ring of Honor's scaling back of operations, which I think is closer to the uh, the truth. But yeah, we covered that on Wednesday, and we uh, that is uh, even if you're not a patron, if you go to the Patreon page, you should be able to uh, to listen to that if you want our uh, our live reactions um, as it kind of happened. You know, more broke on Friday as to whether you know it's still disputed. I think whether the uh, the ROH tape library is uh, is for sale or not. Um, there's definitely conflicting reports about that all over the place. But yeah, one thing that did become players yeah ring of honor aren't uh i'm gonna be running uh any shows uh they're gonna be doing some tv tapings and then final battle and then they're gonna be um ceasing operations up until wrestlemania weekend next year at which point it sounds like from the you know the more news we've gotten this weekend like they're almost looking at relaunching as an indie you know and it's going to be instead of running a full wrestling promotion it's going to be you know a couple hundred dollars per head probably per wrestler and whoever they can get at the time to just make some content really and uh, and go that way that's if you do believe they are in fact 
not going to come back. And I know where uh, me and you uh, threw some some cold water on that idea, JP. I'm still uh, suspicious as though that's uh, that's really the plan or not. But uh, obviously, Gareth, we've uh, in this time not had uh, your thoughts on it um, on this story going out. What you what you make of it? Do you think they're uh, they done for good, Ring of Honor? Do you think it's a play to sell the tape library? Do you think it's should have been expected? I don't know. What's your uh, what's your uh, your take on all of this stuff? I think it's a play to sell something, whether it's the mm-hmm. tape library. But there's a, uh, you know, that was my first reaction was about the tape library as soon as I read those uh, those tweets about that announcement. But the idea that the Ring of Honor brand just ceases operations and never exists ever again, I just can't see that myself. I just feel like there's there's too much value in the brand itself, and I almost feel like that this is this was almost like a play to try and to to probably you know sell it and obviously there's the 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 big tie in there with the um with the tape library i think by you know i think naturally it's clearly run its course from a contract's point of view that um you know they've decided that sinclair's decided that they're not going to put that level of commitment financial commitment into the into the roster again but you know the the ring of honor name still has value doesn't it and it still has something that somebody could spend money on and could buy and could use and form in a certain way that um that you know they could run shows and it would have more it would stand out more than your average indie or something like that really so mm-hmm. like i while this version this era of ring of honor may be dead i think i, I just can't see the idea that shows with ring of honor on the the marquee aren't going to be happening i just feel like it's something that um will will still still stand the test of time somebody will put some money towards it i'm I'm certain and just just carry on it'll but but obviously it's not going to be the same thing it's just going to be something else with the with that badge on it in 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 my view clothing brands sell some tracksuits you know might uh might be in the market for a (laughs) a new track jacket you know Uh, like i yeah and i think that's kind of where i've where i've landed on it is that you know they've got to they can't just you know They'll do, do themselves down if they admit that they're absolutely, you know, they are completely, you know, stopping operations. I think there's going to be some kind of, you know, idea of being light at the end of the tunnel. It reminds me of, you know, WCW, you know, allegedly um, being relaunched at the end and then we never heard anything about it. There's some parallels there mm-hmm. too. But it does feel like to me that's that's kind of the headline there that, you know, they recognise that there's something um, to be sold there, you know, whether it be, you know, the name of the company, whether it be more to the point, you know, as, you know, we've talked about a lot, JP, that that library there and that library, you know, it's not just a case of, okay, cool, they've got, you know, the retro ROH that I love, you know, the CM Punk, Brian Danielson, you know, history, which is massive. Don't get me wrong. That's like, you know, that's, this is the alternative wrestling history, you know, WWE own, you know, fuckloads of 80s, you know, um, libraries and the own, you know, WCW and the old ECW footage. The actual modern history of wrestling is contained within basically Ring of Honor and to an extent TNA as well. You know, maybe th- then we throw a shout up mm-hmm. to PWG as well. And I do think there's a lot of value in that. Uh, you know, like I say, even the more current history with the, you know, lots of Young Bucks footage and Adam Cole footage and Bobby Fish and mm-hmm. whoever else, you know, Steen Generico, if they turn up in AEW, there's, there's all of that too. That is my thought on it. Like, uh, I, I, I listened to um, WrestleNomics Radio and uh, Brandon was talk, pulled a, a clip of Tony Khan um, doing an interview a few weeks ago where he was asked about, you know, having a streaming service and he was pretty much like, yeah, 
watch the space it's coming you know we've got all this dark footage we've got all this dynamite footage we've got you know all we've got all of these things and then we've got you know, a couple of years worth of you know history to put on there but what they don't have is any kind of back catalogue and yeah, if I was Tony Khan, I'd be making a play for the Ring of Honor library if it is indeed available. I'd be making a play for that TNA library. I know there's lots of jokes to be made mm. about that, but that's another part of modern wrestling history that you can grab. PWG, they've always already got the relationships for. That fits together too perfectly for me, and yeah, I, I wonder if that's uh, the way this is going to go. I think so. I think they need it, like we've said. Like them having a streaming service, their own kind of content, whether it's something that you can sell to put on HBO Max. And obviously, he mentions explicitly when he's quote uh, when they use the audio clip on there about like the kind of relationship with Warner Media. Mm. So it, it does make it gives them more inherent value because not only are they able to produce new and current content, but they've got loads of other hours of content as well to kind of fill in there. So it kind of does that thing of filling up a lot of a with AEW where there's only two years worth of history and there's only so many darks, dark elevations, dynamites and mm. rampages you're going to be able to do. You've got this something entirely different. Said this as well before. What you then also have is footage and a lot of the wrestlers. You can produce different kinds of media like documentaries. Mm. You can produce kind of even very, if you wanted to, very kind of technical like kind of in-depth wrestling pieces, stuff that WWE don't really do, mm. like if they're talking about the craft uh, of wrestling. And I was thinking as well, like, I mean, you mentioned about so much of modern American history is tied up with it. I mean, it's it feels like Ring of Honor was the first, it was so explicitly influenced by um, Japanese wrestling in yeah. and of itself. So like they've kind of created that. And I think therefore as a niche to something else to put on there, it what it also has is you've got this entirely different ring style to what is in is in the um on the WWE network as yeah. well. So it, it it's it it's so like they need it. And I haven't even mentioned all in. That's the big thing. Like yeah. which they need as well. And like, you know, you want to do your Cody documentary, you want to do your Bucks documentary. Well from the, if you've got this then yeah pretty much of everything, don't mm. you? Yeah. You pretty much like Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. And it, 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 it ties in. There's a lot of stuff here um, that kind of ties in, that allows them to make more content, which then makes them more valuable and allows them to grow. And if you figure that they might be paying a couple of million, then what is that streaming? Like if they're able to get streaming rights or digital media rights as well. I've not listened to all of WrestleNomics yet today, so I'm kind of fascinated to see what they would be saying about it. So, mm. yeah. It, and it's... It, it, it just enables them to productize something as well. So that, you know, like mm. where you do, you do think about like value in the company and things like that, you know, you only need to look at obviously what WWE did with their network. And then obviously, you know, it shit the bed, their model and things like that, the way it worked, but they're still are able to generate vast amount of money for it because, you know, through Peacock, because it's this standalone entity that, you know, they've been able to productize and sell on. And, and again, it's something that if AEW decide to run as their own streaming platform, then, then great. It's something there that they might be able to develop a financial model that works uh, within their 
within their existing base. But if not, it's something else that they've got that they can, you know, sell as an entity to some mm-hmm. to somebody else as well, really. So it's just, you know, it's it, it it probably just gives them that element of flexibility with that. And I think I was watching that it was like Barstool Sports, I think Tony Khan did an interview a couple of weeks That's and he did reference think, yeah. yeah, yeah, he did reference within that interview about the you know, you know, working towards setting something up. So, you know, can't just be, you know, they've there's got to be more content on that. You know, they've got to build more content than stuff that's just been readily available on YouTube or stuff that you can just watch on Fight and things like that for a for a global audience as well. They're gonna they're gonna need mm-hmm. more stuff stuff there. And like where you talk about like the different things, like the documentaries and stuff. You know, in essence, they've almost had that ability of seeing the WWE Network trial run. They've seen what's worked. They've seen what hasn't worked. And there's certain things like that always jumps out for me. Like when we. I don't know, say when we're running shows on a Patreon there and we did like Owen Hart and you're having to just like flick out of, like you know, like watch a bit of this pay-per-view, flick out, watch a bit of this wrestling challenge, watch a bit of this pay-per-view and things. Like it always stood out to me was why wasn't there more instances where you could just go like, all oh, right, I just want to watch Bret Hart 1990, whatever, two yeah. to 1995, press play, just add it all. You know, there's, 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 there's so much scope to just do more with the yeah. content as well and just package stuff up and make it individual and where they have got this focus on these individual wrestlers. You know, again, it just makes sense to, to do that way. I've got that bigger legacy with the likes of the books and mm-hmm. Hangman and things like that as well. So, you know, again, it's, it's something that you kind of, excited for as well because you i don't know how i perceive that if they do get their hands on this content they're going to probably do a better job of making it watchable than than what other a lot of the network did where it just felt like a bit of a dumping ground really yeah that's the thing that if, aw have always done well i think like that that they always they pick those opportunities to <laughs> do what ww aren't you know what what have we all been unhappy about well ww has been shite for 20 years you know let's do a good wrestling show you know that's the easiest one you know what what have we also done badly well the video games fucking stunk for years and years let's do our own video game like they know you know mucky garner especially you know chris harrington like he, you'd imagine he'd be involved in something like this he knows where like you know the failings were with the with the network and where you know WWE didn't do that fan service you know how many times did we say jp like oh you, you put like mm-hmm. a fucking alan or a rob naylor or like anyone we know really like a hardcore an actual wrestling fan in charge of like curation of of that kind of service and like gareth says that the type of way he could do and and it might feel like fantasy booking because i think you know we shouldn't rule out the possibility wwe if this late library is for sale we'll buy it just to fuck with everyone because that's what they like but you know WWE do only i've only offered you know a certain amount for for libraries so far so they'd have to break with that pattern and you know two it just feels like it belongs more to aw i feel like their history is ring of honor you know that the the, the, the mm. hardcore wrestling promotion for you know for wear great fans and for you know fans of wanting an alternative to wwe like all of the mm. roots of aw feel like they come from that place so it just it feels like such a layup if indeed it becomes available well the biggest stars in ring of honor at that point in time left to form aw yeah so like the, the through the through line is there and we were saying that about Ring of Honor at the time, about, my God, you take the elites, elite away in New Japan and what the hell have you got here? And that's kind of the state of what we've got with Ring of Honor now mm-hmm. and a, like a kind of a series of bad signings. And say it's not beyond the realms possibly the WWE buy it, but it often feels like, like it's, and this is the issue with all the conflicting reports. Some people have said it's been on the market for a couple of years, in which case, why haven't they bought it? Like it should be someone with the foresight of realizing that what you're doing is you're handing a competitor content at a time when you've sold 
a lot of your digital media rights to Peacock for like a ridiculous ton of money. And you've got a company that's coming high up on the terms of the demographics and the ratings and general trends. And you're allowing them to buy probably a ton of content for 2 million, which will add a lot of worth when they're saying we're going there with these many thousands of hours of, of wrestling footage as well for you to put on your streaming platform. Like that's, that's just a bad, like if you're going to do sort of like play that kind of like, um, corporate warfare stuff you'd expect them to play it kind of better than that rather than the kind of childish stuff so they could have had this like a long time ago really if they if they'd wanted to mm-hmm. but um i mean it's the funny thing i mean i've i've and again with a lot of these reports the thing i wanted to kind of bring up with the the ring of honor stories it's gone on is is the kind of relative excitement almost at the idea of well they're scaling back it seems like a good idea I th- just think it's like, I don't think Sinclair are interested in running an indie wrestling company. They want a TV station and they want TV wrestling. And TV wrestling is presented in a certain way, whether we like it or not. And I don't see how this incarnation past Supercard of Honor is going to exist where you don't know who's going to be on it from month to month. Are you going to do storylines or anything like that? Are you just literally going to be putting wrestling on TV? In which case, why bother and just put all the famous wrestlers who were in ring of honor when they were really young and just play that on a fucking loop you know that's the thing do why not just to the, the, the 80 year olds four weeks do the 80 year olds who happen to you know find that ring of honor tv show on channel 900 or whatever it's on like in whichever region do they really care that it's up to date ring of honor could you not play them yeah. a that's actually a counter argument to sell in the library to be honest i know will made the point there that you know sports illustrated have said the post 2012 library is what they own and the pre-2012 library is what they own i don't think that's true i think that's kind of Meltzer was saying that no it's the entire library they do own but like a lot of that mm. post 2012 library like it all kind of looks and feels the same anyway you could just be if you're sinclair you know they've got bigger fish to fry you know obviously with lots going on with you know that the hack that they had and you know there's other real problems with their with their business in general they could just happily be showing reruns or it doesn't even have to be ring of honor they could be showing any old wrestler in that time slot i mm. i debate what the actual value is of creating you know new content for them maybe somebody over there after after the pandemic and after you know they gotta say they looked after their wrestlers they looked after their staff you know at a time when they, they probably didn't have to somebody probably looked at the numbers at one point and was like what are we doing this for for content on our tv show we can get content anywhere we can show reruns we can do whatever the fuck we want what are we doing like i, I wonder if that conversation took place i think so and i think it probably was doubled up with the massive amount of debt that sinclair are in yeah, because of the regional sports networks and how much they've in, invested in that, and mm. I think I call them RTNs. It's RSNs, isn't it? Mm. Um, and you know that's the thing that kills it. So I can't help but feel this isn't a company that's thinking right. What we need to do is put. The, it's like I don't know if they've got the time, energy, and resources to be able to do this. Or ambitious. You'd be almost been be the, saying, the least ambitious ambition. company of all time like how many times have they been on the precipice of like they had the elite they had you know the new japan relationship they could have been the big alternative and they were like no we're happy with our broadcast tv deal and you know we push content out and that's all we do there was a little period where they were paying a little bit more for the wrestlers and they were looking like they were trying to make big moves but in the end that that actually might be what sunk them you know all those big fat contracts for bandido and the like after the the horses that are already bolted after the elite had gone it's a a strange old unambitious weird property that they had there under sinclair yeah it's funny though as well because there is an audience there though there is a market like 
you know, you look at things and like, you know, even like you look at their YouTube page there and there's like, there's nearly like 700,000 subscribers on their YouTube page. And you're just thinking like, if there's, you know, it's, it's a lot, that's, that's a fucking lot of people. That, and, you know, especially when you, you talk in a world of, you know, where we're getting into like TV ratings and, you know, you look at the numbers that, you know, an NXT is doing on TV and things like that. If you can't monetize 700,000 people who are subscribing to your content on yeah. YouTube, then, you know, something's, you know, something's wrong there. And that's where, you know, I talk about like the value in the brand. Okay. There's value in the, the history and the legacy of the Ring of Honor brand, but there's value in the fact that they've got, you know, if you buy the brand, you, this this comes you know this comes along with it as well you've got these engaged audiences through you know social media you've 300 400 thousand people on instagram quarter of a million people on twitter and things like that there's there's routes to make money there and you know i, th- I think you know if it's if it's not them then i think there's there's somebody else who can tap into that in, an, in in another way and do something with it whether it's through the old tape library or whether it's through you know new content or or, or not there's there's you know there's 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 definitely still money that could could be made i th- i think the timing may not work if this was happening to ring of honor in tw- towards the end of 2022 when tv rights deals are going to be up and there's a bit of a competition and a bidding war i can understand to like a kind of hedge firm for example, a wrestling company might seem worthwhile investing in order to cash out on getting some decent television rights from a from a television network who looks at this and wants to kind of replicate it. I just think the timing of it means that that becomes very, very difficult. Um, and I've, we've just never seen the impetus from Sinclair to do it, to, to kind of push it that far. Um, they'd be more interesting in trying to brainwash people with local media for believing in Donald Trump and election theories. So in some ways, fuck them, fuck them in the ear, to quote uh, Robert De Niro. Um, like, uh, honestly, like, I mean, but they haven't shown, Benno's right, they've never shown ambition. They've never, like, they've spent money, but it's like the way it's been presented. Where they should have shown the ambition a long, long time ago was production values. That was like the first thing they should have been doing. But I, if I remember rightly, Getting them to do stuff in HD seemed like it was a fucking ball ache. Don't think they'll do it on HD even when on HD net, were they, Benno? I'm not even or <laughs> <laughs> access TV ends of the fear. I think it was a form of HD, but I know you're right. Uh, yeah. that was a uh, pre Sinclair days, unfortunately. But uh but yeah, like that that's the thing. They they you know, they've always been in that position and then AEW came along and now, mm-hmm. you know, what even is Ring of Honor? You know, how many times have we said it? You know, especially during the pandemic. Like, that was one of your famous quotes, Gareth, where it was like, you know, whether you're watching TNA New Japan Strong or Ring of Honor TV, it was all the fucking same, wasn't it? Or MLW. Like, the the, the thing differentiating these companies at that point in the market, the, the, I don't know if there's, like, a, a need for, 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 for a lot of those companies, really, and something had to go, I think, because they're... You know, like I say, AW has taken their place on the market. It's taken their relationship with New Japan as well. I think is uh, it's fair to say at this point as well. There's no real reason for it to exist anymore, past the fact that it was another great place for you know a lot of people to uh, to work. And I suppose on the, on that note, just quickly before we move on, um, they got a, a steroid trial and uh, and some TV wrestling to talk. I was going to say, uh, you know. Anybody from the uh, asking you, Gareth? I suppose anybody from the list from the that Rose Ring of Honor contracted people you'd like to see turn up at an AW or elsewhere? I think you're going to say no, but you know anyone who stands out as like you know, oh cool, they're they're free on the uh, the market now. 
yeah, I mean, you know, you were looking down. I was literally, I think as soon as the news broke, I was literally scrolling down the website and just looking at the roster and Bit just trying try to see who jumps out here, who's the one that, yeah, that that could jump into AEW that I'd want to see or would make any any real impact, and I just don't think there was there was any names there that that did. You know, I think when I was listening to um, when I was listening to you guys, I can't remember if it was the spotlight last week or it was the no no it was when you did your your, your, your special edition and like I think mm-hmm. JP was mentioning some people like you you Josh Woods and your Dak Draper and things and I was thinking like oh, I could almost see like them going back more the other way I think Dak Draper's already been in NXT mm-hmm. before hasn't he and like I was thinking where well, you've got some bigger lads like that maybe we're there on the lookout for bigger lads now maybe yeah. there's you know some of them the it's the route back the other way and the route back into NXT potentially and that you you've got you know, some people who aren't indie darlings who are who do have a bit of size about them and, and, and things like that potentially. But again, even when you look at your, you know, God, your Rouches, your Bandidos, your, you know, Flamitas, like just unnecessary, just not, you know, not not needed at all from an AEW standpoint. So yeah, no no excitement for me for me about anybody there. Uh, Bandidos one that stuck out to me is like, okay. You know, obviously when AW launched, it was kind of like, oh, I wanted mm. to see him end up there. But I don't know. I didn't think, you know, I know they're the tag team champions, but I'd like to see them get a singles Phoenix or Pentagon run right before they try Bandido. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's talent there. You know, the other one we mentioned was Gresham. Obviously, we're all fans of him and you just want to see him land on his feet. But more likely, I could see him wind up in Japan. Maybe the Briscoes will do a one off with FTR or something. Past that, it's not a roster. That, you know, we were struggling, weren't we, on Wednesday to come up with with names, yeah. really. JP, like you're on on face value, you're like, oh, there's a whole roster worth of of people here who you know would be interesting to break down. But mm, on second thoughts, maybe not so much. Because it, the problem with that roster is, is n- there's not enough big people for who would get into WWE. Like, because someone like a Brody King, they would kind of want him to shape up, wouldn't they? Frankly. They would look at him and go, well, if he's a big bloke, he needs to be a big bloke with all muscles. That's what we're going to do. Um, so there isn't Jim Swallow's best mate. <laughs> <laughs> we're all his best mates, aren't we? Thanks, he was another one of his best mates. <laughs> um, uh, he'll find another one. Like, he'll be all right. <laughs> he's got... <laughs> You know, um, he like. I mean, you would argue that there's a kind of level of potential with him. Uh, Gresham's already on the New Japan show. They're doing like the Fight TV one, so it feels like he's kind of setting himself up for that, which is a very smart move because New Japan, in and of itself, as much as we might say it, it opens up. It means impact is now the question, and neither is AEW. You I mean you want to go to the place really for them where the working relationships are open, and that's another problem with Ring of Honor. They didn't open up working relationships at a time where you wonder would it have made any kind of difference for it? Would it, you know? I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I imagine if you put Brian Danielson in a Christian Cage style position, he'd be treating the Ring of Honor title with a bit more like kind of like urgency and like he really wanted it a bit more if that was going to be the case. But mm. um, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's it's one of these. Um, it, it, it's a very I don't know. Uh, as a situation overall, it, it's it's still very hard to kind of gauge where a lot of these people fit, other than an independent scene that's been pretty much kind of trashed for the last few years. And historically what happened is people went out in the indies 
and there's a limited amount of TV wrestling that's going on in AEW or Impact or elsewhere in terms of the amount of hours for people that are there, it's going to be a case where like the independent scene seems like the likeliest place for a lot of these people. And then hoping to get your one shot deal in GCW and hope that something springboards from there. But you know, it's, it sounds a bit bleak, but I, I think that's, that's the situation when there isn't enough, you know, TV companies that are able to, to kind of um, a TV wrestling stations to, to showcase wrestlers. I think it'll be and if this. this. I think it'll be there'll be people who turn up on Emil, there'll be there'll be people who turn up on Impact, there'll be people who turn up on YouTube and Strong, and there'll be people who get those GCW buttons, you know, as we've already seen with uh, with some of the talent so far. Like I, I do think they'll be fine, but I don't think there's no, there's a blockbuster. Oh, I can't wait for this guy to show up here. That's probably where mm-hmm. I am. Sorry, Gareth. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I think it is just that indie side of things, though. Again, where you look at that list and you're not that excited, you know, in, in reality, you're probably, there's names on that list too. They probably like shouldn't be signed. They, they should be the people who are making the American indies better than they currently are yeah. and, and, and been the people who are working with the younger crop of talent that are in and around the, the indies there and just creating new matchups and kind of just helping, I don't know, helping build that scene and like you say you get the odd ones there who'll you know do a few shots for gcw or something like that if roh ends up being run as an indie itself and having an indie of of a certain level of status there's you know there's there's american lads there on the roster who could be who could make up that indie roh you know roster and obviously it's a lower level and lower cost and things like that but still be people who could could work in in and around that but it does it just just feel like where you have got all this competition across your impact and across mlw and um you know aw giving opportunities to everybody under the sun on dark and dark elevation and things like that like you know it does you know does kind of almost sort of lend itself to you know these guys popping up on like and you know an aaw and things like that as well and just you know working on shows like that and just help kind of the the upper end of the 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 indie scene just just pad itself out because because you know similar to to british wrestling the american indie scene's just been absolutely decimated hasn't it and you know more so probably and it's you know talent there's become again more regionalized and then the ones that do travel that you know, spread quite thin as well, really. So maybe it does just bring something to the table that just gives the um, gives the um, American indie scene just that little shot in the arm that that, that clearly needs as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll be, be interesting to see. Like I say, the couple of names there I'll be keeping an eye out for more than others, but there, like uh, you know, said in the chat there, the Aussie scene will be chuffed. They might get a so some names uh, <laughs> making their way out here as a as thing. You know, Session Martin Martino uh, losing a job and Ridgeway, I think was uh, was planned on uh, on getting uh, something with ROH. I think that's uh, obviously gone by, by the wayside as well. Yeah, there's uh, going to be a bit of talent there that's going to get pushed back out into the uh, the scenes with which they uh, they came from. But yeah, obviously uh, a story we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on as a. Uh, as things develop, but uh, yeah, we should uh, move on. I, I was going to say, while well, we're on our, uh, a newsy kind of front, do you want to talk about our um, steroid trial? Um, or do you want to save that for the end, or do you reckon, JP? What? I know you're, no, not, let's talk about you're like me, you're desperate to talk about it. Like I just I just got finished um, 
we'll we'll do the AW catch up in a minute. But I just finished listening to a to Wake Allen and Dave Meltzer on it, which was some fantastic audio. Like two two lads <laughs> yeah. who've uh, who lived the uh, the original uh, star on the trial, literally like you know went to the trial and covered it. The the, the honestly the the episode's so it's it's one of those typical Meltzer can't shut up. Um, bits of audio where, like, there's literally somebody mentioned in the pre-show before there's actually a point in it where like after after doing a, a soliloquy for hours it feels like and for dominating every question and <laughs> Meltzer Meltzer steamrolling over Keller the entire time like there's like a dog barking in the background so Meltzer goes off to, to deal with this dog and Garrett just about sneaks in he's okay so Wade I've got a question for you and he asks him like this big in depth you know you were there what do you think about this 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 and this and before Wade can even answer like magic Meltzer's back from looking after the dog and just answers the question as if he's been asked <laughs> and it's just fucking I pissed myself so much but like that yeah. aside, uh, and you know, we were saying it in our private chat earlier. No one's, uh, no one's ever dealt with uh, with Meltzer's steamrolls, and quite like Will used to when he was on the on the shows. And then there was a uh, there was a competition uh, there for you. It was still interesting here, and uh, <laughs> those two old heads. You know, once they got going um, and and they got into the swing of things, uh, talk about this because uh, this was such a big story. You know, in the nineties. You know, documentary aside, really, because I think the documentary had you know a lot a, a lot to ask of it. You know, forty five minutes to tell this story was was not much it should have been a two-parter but mm. it remains an absolutely fascinating story jp as far as like a big part of of wrestling history and i don't know if you've managed to i'd, I'd say that supplementary audio was is must listen um if you watch the documentary to uh to listen to that as well to to go to to hear from the men who were covering it um as it happened yeah. and you know it was just i know you were particularly excited jp not only to hear them talk but you know getting to hear uh, get to see jerry mcdevitt on, uh, on screen as yeah. well um did you have a good time mate what the, at the steroid trial did i have a good time <laughs> um were you there <laughs> i can imagine you I'd do have, that flying over to america to, i'd have been uh, about 12 <laughs> so George Zahorian would have quite happily sold me steroids then if the documentary was anything to go by um, it's funny I'm about an hour into listening to uh, Wade Keller and uh, Dave Meltzer's uh, audio and it's and it's, and it's brilliant like when mm. they're kind of on a roll and they're going talking through it because this is such an enormous story mm. which is kind of the problem really with the documentary and you've outlined it this is two parts and there are so many moving parts to this story um, that at times it's very confusing if you don't know that much about it. Like there's obviously a general, the general theme is did Vince McMahon work with George Zahorian to traffic steroids to wrestlers? And like the answer is no. But then if you come back to the theme of the piece of, would he encourage whether by outright saying it or certainly suggestion or really more likely through his actions on who he pushed and who he didn't mm. was steroid use something that was kind of encouraged well clearly because and they were all on it and the ones who went on it with Zahorian were buying it by the people because apparently Zahorian was very expensive according to the warlord um, <laughs> that's why he went elsewhere wasn't it it was too much well loved yeah. saying that. Yeah. <laughs> looked in good nick not a great wrestler. He was more muscle than man back then in the he's day. He's only about he? 35, old Lord, isn't he? He's one of them ones. <laughs> Younger than you. Is <laughs> you oh, he is, is he? Nah. <laughs> what was his 17th birthday at Survivor Series 1990? <laughs> I think it was. He gets pinned by Tito Santana in <laughs> the Ultimate Survivors, mate. <laughs> he was um, a bit of a wrestler if you ever saw him. 
if you if you but as a story mm-hmm. i mean like you said there, there's the kind of there's so much going on you've got probably the best selection of talking heads they've had certainly in this kind of series because in in keller in particular i think i think wade keller is really good mm-hmm. at it between you know him Meltzer, and then you've got jerry mcdevitt who is kind of a star and loves the fact of how he's thought of by wrestling fans isn't it like that's part of the thing that he's kind of buzzing about but you can't argue the fucker gets results mm. generally doesn't he like he you imagine that amount of the, the amount of scrapes he's kept him out of and how many things like when that wrestler got injured in the ring and stuff like that he would have done as as well to keep a lot of that stuff down for him but it's it, he's such an integral figure in wwe history that in some ways it feels like a waste if that's the only time they ever use footage of jerry mcdevitt is like mm. in this way because i think there's so much more to him. there's a whole documentary on him alone that i'd be absolutely fascinated by um it's crazy even but then it's shocking he even yeah. like willing to do it like i was like yeah i don't understand what the i suppose like somebody's gonna give their version of events and i suppose he's as good as anyone but it's a very un wwe move isn't it to allow him to do a show like this mm-hmm. where they're openly talking about you know i know there's a bit of you know the denial of vince actually you know, dealing or whatever, and you know, but they're, they're openly talking about how common steroids were now. Yeah, they were all on steroids. They were on steroids before they got to us. Yeah, everyone was on steroids. It's like surprising, to be honest, to hear that level of candor for something that could, you know, still maybe it's long enough ago, but feels like something that could still burn them. It's like coke That's... in the eighties, mate, isn't it? It's just mm. everywhere. I, t- I tell you what, though, if I was WWE and I knew this was getting produced, and I was, I knew I could have a talking head to back their side up. Yeah, they had the right man out out there. You know, if they'd approached him and said, "Look, we're doing this show, and like we want to speak to McDevitt, like if you're McMahon, you go in." Actually, if I want any fucking talking head to talk about our side of things, I want it to be him because he knows it fucking inside out. He's a fucking clearly very very intelligent bloke. You know, you know he's not going to put his foot in it, and you know he's just gonna he's just gonna bat any he's just gonna bat any bullshit back the other way as well. So they know that he's going to be getting the story presented from you know for the from the end that they want the story to be presented into. Like, but it was yeah equally it was it was it was fascinating just to see him because it's just and just hear him talk and things because it's just one of them names that's just been through so many things through the years, just so tightly intertwined with negative things that they've been associated just yeah just to even hear him talk in that way it was uh it was fascinating stuff mm. yeah i thought he was great like I, I you know obviously there's there's levels of bullshit to you know some of the things he you know he says in there you know when he's talking about like Zahori and being taken through prison to prison and talking about like how you know I, I don't know if I believed him when he got all choked up talking about it, you know, how upset Stephanie was. Although, you know, maybe it does explain a little bit why yeah, Stephanie uh, was so affected by it. She decides to bring it up um, after 9-11 as this uh, traumatic yeah. event that, uh, that America also went through the time her, her dad was, uh, was put on trial. Um, Mate, but... <laughs> we, we, all, we all have trauma. We didn't bang on about it the day after 9-11, did we? <laughs> fair, fair place. <laughs> what a change Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Uh, but, like, uh, you know, he was, you know, there as well to, like, kind of say, you know, that was always a thing. Like, when I was uh, a kid, like, the, I don't know if you guys, I suppose I was a bit younger than you guys, but I always, like, had the rumours about, I think, during this time, about, like, why Nails left WWF, and it was, like, yeah, it's stories about something sexual going on with him and Vince McMahon, which actually wasn't that far from, like, you know, some of the allegations he did eventually make, but a lot of it was this, the steroid trial, and McDevitt's, like, 
And he is right. He's like, you know, why would we want him to get on steroids if he's wearing a prison jumpsuit? You know what I mean? Like those bits, I was like, okay, yeah, he kind of, you know, as much as I know, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a lawyer, and there's always going to be, you know, it's always going to be a bit greasy, and he's always going to tell a certain version of the facts. I did think he overall came across well, and even if you know, there's obviously things he can't say. And I think with I think with some of the stuff as well, the, the the main thing that came across to me, and obviously he's presenting stuff in a certain light, but when you seen, I don't know, when you just heard a little bit more detail on it, and then the the charges that they were trying to get McMahon on, and things like that, and the, the way they were positioned and things like that, it just kind of it just you know the overriding feeling for me coming out of it was like here you've got a very very fucking intelligent motivated man like. Against idiots, probably <laughs> in 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 some way, and then you know that was that it's was kind of my, got off. my my last imp- impression was well, of course they got off. Like, look at the fucking you know, look at the way that this has been positioned. Look at the yeah. things that he's looked into here, and then look at the look at look at on um, you know quite clearly where you didn't have the support and evidence in certain areas to fit the conspiracy charges and things that you were that you were, you were throwing up there. Of, of, of course, he got off. <laughs> it just it just felt really. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I probably was going into this expecting that. I don't know. I'd have a different mindset maybe coming out of it and things. You know, having your your anti Vince hat on and things. Yeah. But I was just left thinking like I was just I was just thinking. Well, yeah, of course, of course, he got off. That was just like fucking the wrong charge to be trying to go against him with for this particular uh, this particular like event at the time. Well, that's the thing. The ring boy scandal was obviously like the the catalyst mm. to all this, and that's clearly you know the more the more serious thing. And yeah, it's like you know you can even see it in like, and I'm sure you're the same, JP, reading like the historical coverage of Meltzer and Keller, and they were basically saying it on the on the radio today. You know, yeah, back then they were so in it, and like you know, Meltzer was always going on about wrestlers being on steroids and such, and you know who was a juicer and who wasn't, and you know there were a lot of like you know moral thoughts i suppose on it all and you know, at the end of the day did vince footman know all his wrestlers on steroids yes did he like you said earlier jp you know was he complicit in it by booking and pushing certain types of wrestlers you know absolutely yeah. but i don't know like is he you know is he guilty of you know the crimes they allege here was he you know was it to the point where you know you could say he was he was involved in the distributing of steroids and he was actively involved in it i don't think he was and i and i do think there's something to the fact that you know and vince made things a lot worse but you know wrestling was already a mucky business when it came to to drugs and such and you know you can have your moral opinion about what Vince McMahon allowed and what he maybe encouraged but as far as like mm. leveling criminal charges and expecting anything to come with this with time you kind of look at it and go yeah it's right that he got off yeah because I mean ultimately it's a ramshackle case and it relies on the testimony of wrestlers and the thing that the prosecution case kind of goes in is a shocking level of naivety of what wrestlers are like. Mm. So for example there's things like there's various dates that they just get wrong where like they're saying like that yeah. Hulk Hogan picked got these tablets at this Nassau Coliseum show and he wasn't there at all and it happened mm. sort of six days before that and that's very you imagine in a government case which there's millions of pounds and very highly talented lawyers on it that's the kind of stuff they should be picking up but they really didn't because I don't think they knew what they were walking into and Vince doing the stuff like wearing the neck brace 
mm. alike for the, oh, for the that's sibling. Brilliant. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. As he walked in. Yeah. <laughs> like John Arrest, said, hope- like, that's an angle. That's, it's wrestling. Here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say, and Alan brings it up on the chat, the the John O'Reilly mum story, do I believe it? No. I No, not at all. Just sounds like wrestling bullshit mm. to me. Or a yeah. couple of blokes knocked on his mum's house and he took it slightly the wrong way. Mm. Like, I, I don't, I, I honestly to God, I, I just can't believe that, that those, and it's those types of little stories that kind of undercut the argument mm. of which all the valid kind of criticisms of the culture of WWF at that point in time, they kind of get undercut immediately. And the fact that Hogan turns on the prosecution on the stand, <laughs> well, Kel fucking surprise. Like, who could have ever seen Terry Balea doing that on the stand? And then leaving the courthouse and going, buy the pay-per-view brother like for, yeah for, yeah he's, he's, he's in sales mode flogging the do for the pay-per-view yeah i was gonna, gonna say like it as well and he's just like vince still hates him for turning up for some reason when it's like he's what got you off mate like he was he was the yeah. he was the one they were expecting to be like that smoking gun and vince you know hogan basically came to vince's aid there if it wasn't for for hogan being out there you know denying that you know vince was as culpable as, as they were alleging who knows what might have happened? It's so weird that it, it led to such a, you know, a divide in their relationship. And I know, obviously, you know, Fogan was probably bitter about the fact that he had to get off the roids, and Vince was probably bitter about the fact that you know, the a skinny Hulk Hogan wasn't the uh, the same Hulk Hogan as he'd uh, he'd gotten behind in the eighties, and he wasn't going to push him as much. But yeah, it's kind of weird the whole relationship, isn't it? Because that's not how. I kind of believe that went down. I thought Hogan had fully double-crossed Vince, when in reality, he's kind of double-crossed on the prosecution more than anything. And you know he's thinking about his options. Yeah. At the end of this WCW run, brother, where where do I go? That's what he's got in his mind. That's what all of them. That's why Rick Rude's on the stand, and they talk about more in detail about Rick Rude, don't they? He terrible. Yeah. Yeah, he was. It was like, and I can remember the him thinning down because that was. It felt like when he he had that match against Warrior at SummerSlam in the cage that that felt like that was the rude kind of slightly thinning down part of it. Well, well, that was always one of the things, wasn't it? Like, I think he'd he'd come off the roids, hadn't he, to try and have a baby or something, and yep. then like Vince had Vince said to him, like, "Oh, you're looking a bit soft there" or something. And it was just, you know, it was that kind of thing. Whereas it's that throwaway yeah. com- comment of. You're not, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a liner that's going in the head of somebody that they're not looking as muscular as they once did, or compared to somebody else that's then like taken forward and interpreted in their minds of, oh, I need to be bigger, I need to be in better shape. It's, and you know, it's, it's not him saying like, I'm not going to push you or I'm not going to book you, but it's just putting that, laying that little seed in people's minds that you know they, you know, better get back on the gas, mate. That, that is a question, like, like morally. Mm-hmm. Are we asked about steroids in wrestling? Do you guys care? Because I don't. <laughs> like, I don't care at all. Like, I, I, I mean, obviously, you know, the, there's, there's the obvious the, risks and dangers and things about aggression and that kind of playing. Like, it's a bit overplayed, it. though, in it. It's like a boogeyman. Like, you know, a steroids are, like, I, you know, a, a thing. I'm not saying I ever used them when I used to go to the gym quite heavy, but like, you know, you use like equivalents and you learn about like what it what it is that you know steroids do you know as a kid you think it's like a magic magic fucking needle that goes in your arm and all of a sudden you look like Hulk Hogan and obviously you know mm. you still have to put the work in in the gym and you know there's there's lots of knowledge that I think people have gleaned over years about cycling on and cycling off the thing that made it toxic in wrestling was that these were fucking man children who couldn't help themselves they had a, you know a fanny pack full of other kinds of drugs mm. as well that they 
they mixed with everything. Oh yeah. Um, but like as a modern, you know, in the modern a blow world, trial wouldn't have lasted as long. And probably would have gone very much. Like, you know, like <laughs> but yeah, exactly. and you know, and he's right there. It has led to you know enlarged hearts, and yeah. it's probably a an ingredient in the cocktail of things that made so many wrestlers from like the eighties and such die. But it is something you hear brought up now. Obviously, WWE have got the you know that their wellness policy. We you know no one ever gets pop for it, so we, you know you wonder on the effectiveness of that. AEW, you know, don't have a policy at all, and you have like wrestlers like Brian Cage walking around who might as well be a luminous green, you know, he's the fucking Hulk. Like, at some point somebody's got to ask a question of how he is impossibly in that shape. But I come back around to do I really care? You know, I know it's not sports, but there is an advantage to looking a certain way. It's a cosmetic business, mm-hmm. so the lads on steroids maybe are, are more favourable, but even that attitude is kind of, you know, the way, you know, as time goes on, not as prominent. I don't know. To me, I, it's not something you can actively encourage, but, you know, something like an AW situation where it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, we don't really have an formal testing policy, but, you know, they, they're not all encouraging it either. You know, is that is that a reasonable approach? Mm. Should, should you know, we be learning more from the lessons of the past? Should we be caring at this point? I think it's more the, like you say, it's it's the cocktail of the other stuff that's probably was is the I don't know the more damaging. You know, when I when it springs to mind to me where you're talking about like Zaharian and you're talking about him like you know he's not just roids, it's a Percocet, it's your oxycotons, it's all those other different you know pain, you know all those um diff- different things that they're like taking at the same time but i mean you look at like any any sport you know look at rugby players the american football players the bloody growth hormone that they're on and like you look at the you know you just and, and you know okay it's that line between legal and illegal and illegal there's people taking a lot of stuff here that's illegal and illegal in you know actual sports that's you know to 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 win to to, to get ahead you know you look at the players that you know footballers and things who just like fuck themselves further down the line by taking legal drugs to you know you know mask the pain in their knees or whatever to go out there and be able to perform for another you know a week and then they're you know they can hardly bloody walk when they're 45 and things like that as well Mm -hmm. it's just to me it's just one of those things that it's just it's just out there and it's just it's not just wrestling it's just in 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 all walks of life whether it's 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 legal or or illegal it's it's stuff that's people's doing and like you know do i care if you know a wrestler's taking steroids to you know physically look better like you know if 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 they've been controlled about it and in 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 their use to some degree and then they're not combining it with the you know the other you know drugs i suppose that you know, ultimately killed a lot of wrestlers from the eighties and early nineties and things like that. Like, like I don't know. Is it you know? Is, is it that big a deal? I don't know. I'm wary of like leaning too much into like you know. You'll know this, JP. Like the bro answer of like you know, like UFC fans like ah, oh, just let them take whatever they want and then we'll just put them all in a ring and we'll see who's really the best. Then oh. you know, you can't do that. And um, you know, we'll make some good points in the chat there. You know, obviously. Heavy steroid use leads to you know bigger wrestlers, and you know makes the point about big wrestlers were in the past compared to now, where it's more of a, an athletic business. Yeah. Where you know I'm sure there are other drugs at play, like HGH, like like Garrett says there, and maybe not so much heavy steroid use, but there is you know I suppose that side of concern as well. And yeah, like I say, you can't. Unfortunately, no big corporation is ever going to be like yeah, everyone just let's all take the same drugs and we'll 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 juice you all up like your Chinese Olympians and we'll see what happens. Like you can't do that, yeah. but you know uh, there's maybe a medium there somewhere. Well, you're talking on an unregulated market, 
mm. an unregulated black market. So people aren't aware of like kind of the proportions of things to be taken in and what is safe and what isn't and the long-term effects. So I always think of it in terms of the, the, did I really like the kind of giant guys when I was younger? And the truth is, this is when you're kind of raised on a steady diet of WCW <laughs> and then transitioning into a Bret Hart WWF. I looked at Bret Hart and my thought has always been, part of the reason I liked him is he's more relatable because he doesn't look so ridiculously OTT with the muscles. He's he looks definitely like fucking on steroids though. <laughs> oh, in his career. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I, I do think that's the case, but there's, but the, the way he would look at it would be that the idea that at that point in time, it was a cosmetic business and that's mm. what you had to do in order to get on top. And your job was a lot more precarious. You know, the idea of you being offloaded and going somewhere else. And then, you know, a Bret Hart who's released in 1989 or whatever, is, is he going to find his feet in WCW? Well, you know, and then do you get the wrestler that he is? But anyway, like those are the kind of wrestlers that I liked and I could always kind of relate to them. And especially now where I'll look and see smaller wrestlers and I like the dynamic of seeing smaller wrestlers up against bigger wrestlers and the different shapes and sizes that kind of make wrestling what it is and gives it that kind of carnival aspect to a card because it means that you're seeing lots and lots of various different things. I had a problem with WWF when it was just like all jacked up dudes because mm. that's what they genuinely believed. And I think that's that's obviously where you have so much of the so much of the problems that are there. Whether or not you can ever regulate it, I don't know. But then you know, at some point they'll just allow them to smoke weed and a lot of them will, because the painkillers and stuff, that's the thing we haven't also mentioned. They were the absolute killer. I mean, Somers. Yeah. Like that was always like, I never knew what, I'd never heard of Somers before, like kind of knowing stuff about wrestling. And then I was reading about like a shocking amount of people and all these kind of incidents involving people taking ridiculous amounts of painkillers and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it is a case where I'm glad it isn't there because the 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 long term effects of it that doesn't mean necessarily like you know people have free will and they have free choice. I just don't think it's much of a benefit. Hmm. Like I really don't. I think there's a lot to be said if they like find their natural physique. It's like boxers and UFC fighters fighting at the natural weights. It makes for better fighters and therefore it makes for better fights. So. If you're if you're smaller, but that's not held against you because there's something unique to you as a talent in the ring, then I think you can always kind of get around it. Maybe that's too optimistic. Yeah, because I've got to say, like even you know, you look at like New Japan. You know, you can't tell me Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi and a Point Okada have been. Mm. Yeah, nothing I want to slander anyone, but you know, like they're on some. But it's to a point, isn't it? You know, the big air. Because there's always going to be that cosmetic want to be a little bit bigger or a little bit, you know, tighter or to look a bit, you know, more intimidating. But you know, there's a because I think maybe natural attrition has come by where there is such a high expectation mm-hmm. on work rate and you know not being a stiff from the eighties and like has been said in the chat, you know, not being a classic Davy Boy Smith versus Warlord, you know, looking you know style <laughs> match. There's it's almost kind of I don't want to say it sorted itself out, but you know, there's more of those kind of guys than there are, you know, Brian Cages of the world these days and that's definitely for the best um but yeah i was gonna say i mean any other thoughts on on the documentary itself anything else um stand out from there and even like i say they covered a lot in 45 minutes there are a lot of wacky mm. side stories that whole thing with the 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 journalist and his wife who was 
like no secret one, wife the secret wife i didn't really when was that a thing that was new i didn't oh, really understand what was going on there that was kind of shocking yeah there's some stuff with uh yeah some some other wacky characters in there yeah it was i i, I mean I'm, I'm thinking back on it is it the best one of this current series which obviously isn't a classic run because guess what they've covered most of the kind of stories at this point mm. um I certainly felt better after watching this than when I did when I watched the XPW one. Mm. Um, I'll put it that way because I felt very, very miserable. <laughs> like I did the first time I watched, um, what was the name of it? Eight Millimeter. Mm. Terrible film. And it just <laughs> felt grim. And <laughs> this one, at least, it was kind of funny, like the courtroom drawings and stuff like that. So if you haven't seen it, I just highly would, would recommend it of all of the one of this series because it's, it's a story that everyone should kind of know about. Should have been two parts, though, Gareth. I think so. It felt like to me there was some bits there in that last 20 minutes that just got rushed, skirted over a little bit. But then also they became a bit confused because of it, like mm-hmm. you saying there about the, the, the secret, the secret really wife or what, and things. I, I didn't quite get what was going on there. And I, was, I felt like that needed to just a bit more depth and clarity on that. And it felt like there were some things there that were, you know, that, that could have maybe been a bit more depth you know that that whole you know the whole secretary and you know the whole tampering with and things like that and stuff like it just it, it felt like there had to be more there that they that, that they could have got into as into as well but uh, but yeah i mean as a as a standalone little thing it was a it was a good watch and is it, are they making a series am i am i right am i imagining this WWE are they making are, a series yeah. about this yeah. yeah yeah so it'll be interesting to see the wwe version like once you've, you know, it's worth watching this to then see the see the WWE version as as, as well. See how certain things are positioned from that angle as well. But it's uh, an entertaining little entertaining little story, nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. The, the, their version is going to be like, yeah, Vince is going to have like Hollywood good looks, and the government's going to be coming for them, and oh, <laughs> and they're going to be. We'll have to do like a Patreon series at it or something. I think that'll be entertaining. <laughs> Just to point out the, oh. uh, the accuracies as they go. <laughs> Keller and Melter should do a podcast for that. In fact, let them do it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> really should do. Oh, definitely. But uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, do uh, do check it out. But yeah, plenty of uh, uh, a decentish, uh, I think, uh, series of Dark Side of the Ring. I want to see more Vince McMahon led episodes. Now that they've uh, mm-hmm. they've come out uh, with this, I want to see uh, more more coverage of the uh, the different things. Vince, they're always the best things in these series, even when they, you know they skated around it like the uh, the snooker stuff or you know gave uh, WWE an opportunity to give their version of events in, in this episode. I think there's more to mine there with uh, with Vince McMahon, uh, and they've got to uh, I think show some balls next season. Let's let's go for the jugular. I on Jerry McDevitt's ego, get him mm-hmm. talking about everything. Yeah, you'll be loving it. That you'll bloke got injured. Is it Chad Austin? Mm. <laughs> you could do some whole one on that, couldn't you? Yeah, the oh, stories. The stories there. Vince and the Tan and Salem. Not to want to. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's stuff. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, moving on. Then we should uh, we should talk some of the uh, the wrestling we've uh, watched the last week. Do a bit of a, mm. a catch up on a uh, on AEW first. You were telling me yesterday, Gareth, you had a lot of uh, homework to do to uh, to get yourself uh, up and running with uh, with AEW again. Uh, having uh, missed the podcast there, so hopefully uh, you're all caught up with uh, with Rampage and Dynamite. And I said earlier, you know, we will talk Dynamite as well, but Rampage is a little bit uh, fresher in the uh, in the memory, and it's got the uh, to be honest, the match I want to most talk about here. So we'll maybe do things a little bit backwards this week, but. 
I've been dying to know. Uh, ever since the match aired, the Danielson and, uh, and Eddie Kingston on Rampage, there was three people whose opinions wanted to know. Mick Crewy, Jamesy, and you, Gareth. Uh, what your thoughts of it? Um, this uh, this opener um, for Rampage. I absolutely uh, love the thing, but, mate, uh, where did you go on it? Uh, what did you think of it? And did I overblow it for you uh, when I uh, mentioned it to you yesterday? No, no, I'm just honoured that you were bothered about my opinion. <laughs> Every now and then, you know. <laughs> now, when it comes to Noah, maybe not so much, but you know this, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, um, I mean, yeah, you didn't, you didn't oversell it at all, did you? Like, it was just my kind of match. Like, I absolutely, I you know, loved, loved it, loved every every second of it. You know, I think it was just it was right down from like. Literally, when I put it on today, mm. and just the purpose that Eddie Kingston was walking <sighs> to the ring with, like he's ring walk alone, and, and, and I was just like, starts. I was just like, oh yes, here we go. Kind of, like it was just looking at the look in his eyes, the pace he was walking with, the determination mm. that he was walking with, and things. I just, I just thought, oh, I like here we go, kind of thing. I was like before. Before a bell had even rung, I was absolutely up for it. And that was, you know, even coming into it with, you know, seeing the high ratings on Grapple, hearing your praise for it yesterday and things. But, I mean, God, they just kicked the shit out of each other, didn't they? Like, it was just, you know, the fucking kicks that Danielson was hitting early on and then just the chops that, like, Eddie Kingston was, like, retorting with. Oh, it was absolutely you know, lovely stuff. I think one of the things you referenced yesterday um, mm. when we were having a chat in the pub, Benno, was like you were just talking about like the work just when they were in holds and things, you know, and, and it's just been you know, clearly both clearly both of them been up for it as, you know, to a massive degree and it all just been presented as like a, a genuine fight and a genuine battle and their words that always, you know, they come out of my mouth when I'm talking about good <laughs> stuff all the time and, and it is just that genuine side of things that it just really just felt like it. And one of the things that was brilliant about it was the selling of the level of exhaustion almost so early in the match as well. The fact that they both looked fucked and beat up so quickly again that's the sort of thing that you know obviously you watch a lot of wrestling and it's these matches just go and you know it might take like 30 minutes before that exhaustion comes through i don't know you watch a real fight you watch a ufc fight or something like that mm. you know lads can be dead on their feet 30 seconds in a minute in kind of thing in some occasions and that was something that was just like cut through cut through here that they were both like you know the they were in a war immediately and they were both like fatigued to that to, to that level and oh, I mean it just it, it just delivered you know delivered yes. on absolutely every every level with that and then you know just right through to the to the finish with this this Danielson's like applying that triangle and then just like dropping them elbows as like while he's in it and like obviously just with the you know the the middle finger up there as he as he passes out it's just the perfect way to just go out for that kind of battle as well and i just loved the way that it worked on the on the two sides it was like danielson could have just held him there but he didn't he's adding those extra elbows to 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 get the fucking win and and it was just it was just the eddie kingston way of going out to out of that match it was just the perfect way for eddie kingston to to go out of a match Lovely stuff. Oh, that makes me happy because, like, for me, it was, it was, it was the, you know, say perfect finish. It was the perfect Eddie Kingston match. Like, Eddie Kingston, like, is a wrestler I've loved for 
absolute years back to you know the CZW Chikara days, all the you know the, the mid two thousands indies, and then like you know through some rougher parts in his career, and he's always been someone where I think the the easy narrative has been he's a great promo, but. And I pro- I've probably said it myself as well, you know, as far as matches go, do you see often see like a, a near five-star match from Eddie Kingston? You don't, you know, he's a little bit awkward, a little bit scruffy, both in the way he looks and, and the way he wrestles. But this match was like on for fucking, you know, on TNT, on proper telly for a proper promotion was like, this is what people have always loved about Eddie Kingston. It's like, yes, there's that and he's not polished, but what he offers in his matches is, like you said, everything's a real fight. There's never any waste of motion. Everything in the match, you know, he's fighting, you know, even if like Danielson's grabbing his arm, you know, it might look like he's not doing much, but Kingston's trying to get his arm, you know, back with his other hand, or he's trying to push Danielson off, you know, in the face, or he's always, always struggling. And, you know, some of it can come across ugly, but like this match was the perfect way of like going, no, when it's ugly, sometimes, you know, that works best. That's what Eddie Kingston is. He's a fighter, he, you know, and that was said in like the, the lead up to this match as well. What they, did such a great job of as you know you mentioned there that you know Kingston just coming out like he was ready for a fight you know the match started there but in reality the match really started in the two promos they did you know there was no nothing yeah. wasted there either you know in the roads to the top um, ad break where Danielson was basically saying those criticisms to Kingston and you, you don't work hard enough and that set Kingston off and then they had the other promo where you know Kingston you know um, cut it cut a promo on Danielson kind of like you know shouting back at him for all of those points and it just in those two simple segments made this match feel so important and then they went out there and they had a match with a story that told that same story and you know continued on and as a piece of work you know including the promos including the entrances including the finishes like my grapple rating is high on this one but it's because I feel like it's an almost perfect piece of work as far as what they were they were out there to do. Um, it was just a really well-told story with, you know, I think Eddie Kingston, probably my favourite individual Eddie Kingston performance of, of all time. And, you know, he's in there with the best, the wrestler who's making a case for himself as the best wrestler in the world once again in this, you know, couple of months he's been in AEW and Brian Danderson. It just, yeah, every... I didn't feel like there was anything wasted in the match. There was nothing in the match that didn't feel like it should be there. It felt like perfect pro wrestling to me. I don't know if uh, you're as high as us too, uh, JP. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm really. I went four point two five for this because I kind of thought this is. I did originally tell him, and I raised Sorry? it to four and a half. I did originally go four point two five, but the more the more I think about it, and the more I love it, I was like, no, this is yeah. gonna be in my consideration for my top ten matches of the year, and that to me means it's four and a half. Like that's how that's how highly I feel of the performances in. I, I I went four point two five, and as I was talking about it there, I was going, "Why am I only gone four point two five on this? This is like I'm getting that emotion feeling." I was thinking, "I'm going to need to go in there and edit that out. I'll, 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 I'll give it another watch tomorrow." It's because it's a TV match. You kind of think, "Oh, that's about as high as I can go." You know, it's a, it's a as much as yeah. I enjoy the contained story, it's not exactly a consequential big match. It's the opener on rampage, but yeah, yeah. I keep I'm, I keep talking myself into it. I'll go higher if I keep talking. Part of it when when you go to for me when I go into star star ratings as well it's the occasion as mm. well that is part of it and I've got something to say about the occasion for that as well I mean but yeah I, I have very similar thoughts I thought the fact that Danielson's chest seemed to welt up straight away just <laughs> yeah. kind of made it because what it did and this is the bigger Eddie Kingston point and this is why I think he's so over is I speak about relatable characters he gives everything meaning. He gives everything meaning, every promo, every second of time that he has, he gives meaning to it. 
and therefore you're like completely accepting of him because I thought the crowd reaction was fascinating to this because this was like a pro Eddie Kingston crowd and it started to get me thinking of going in many ways he's like the kind of other figure that you go if you went like he's a brilliant television performer he really is Mm. he just seems to be like if you thought of someone in like a kind of really good um like box set type tv series it's just like this brilliant character actor who turns up quite early on and makes this character role that kind of kind of outshines a lot of other people and that's what he's doing because his in ring is starting to deliver now it obviously helps he's going in there against brian Danielson. that is the thing also, but yeah there, but there are so many different directions with him as well because if we're going to be talking later on about a moxley heel turn what do you do with Eddie Kingston? Because you can go either way and it becomes completely plausible as well within the context of the kind of character that he is. And I think that's the main thing. It's that believability. It's that meaning for everything. So even when he's grappling on the ground, there's that intensity that he has in his face and they're the kind of intangibles that draw you in. And there's a lot of intangibles there. The only thing is, and it's interesting coming off a conversation about steroids and the rest of it and that kind of look, this is someone who this look kind of defines him in many ways. I don't know, it'd be like looking at James Gandolfini in The Sopranos and going, ah, I'd like this, but I prefer if he just sort of shaped up a bit. It's like, fuck no. That's who Tony Soprano is. You know, on Conquivada's podcast back in the day, he did. He said when he went to Japan, he, he tried steroids and was like, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> you learn quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that, as a result, means he is who he is, mm. warts and all. And that makes for a hell of a lot more of an interesting performer than someone who is completely polished. Mm. And that's what you got here because it wasn't polished and it was so fucking brutal and nasty. Yeah, I loved it. I think I'm talking myself in the four and a half here as well. But what's yeah. the average? Thing? I was oh, thinking it's what. Oh, sorry, Jamie. Mm. Carry on. No. no, go on, Gareth. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> currently, yeah, currently on the app, it's at like 4.31. So basically, you know. People are just sat there almost where we are in between 4.25 and 4.5. I, and I half didn't there kind mentally of want to be below the average either when I gave it 4.25. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm dragging this down. No, <laughs> I don't want to be below the average. I want to be above it. Yeah. Maybe if there was a 4.35 button, I'd hit that. Um, no, I'm, I'm happy with before four and a half. Like, yeah. I, th- I, think it, I think with it though, as well, like where, where we talk about that, like realness and the ruggedness of it, like, I think some of the things that like just stand out for me as well is is I don't know, the volume of headbutts that there was during the match. Like I was like it was just it was just something that was like a repeated go to. There'd just be like there'd just be a little short just headbutt here and there kind of thing. And just and again, that's not something that in American TV wrestling, it's not how like you've seen headbutts like like all the time and things. But the way it was present mm-hmm. it was presented as well, it just it did it, 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 that that kind of aggressive in your face sort of style to me that 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 just added something to it as well there was just like like one of my favorite i love a good poke in the eye like but like i loved it where like um like danielson was just like mountain just a, a, a little comeback at a point and kingston just like bang, right in his eye i was like you would real fight bang in your eye like done he <laughs> stopped him in his tracks kind of thing and it was just that little again that, that almost like you know <laughs> Back, you know, in an alley, almost kind of like feel to it the the way they were just like bringing it in that like rugged, dirty style as well, and just you know, just some little little things like that that were just just very small and 
elements that just added something just that very very simple but it just adds that just like extra bit of rawness and uh, an aggression or something and it just um yeah just lovely stuff Brian Danielson is like, I know, I'm so glad we did that mixtape, you know, and like, I know you guys know how good he is, but you know, to see the context of who he was before he went to WWE, and he's back in that, he's just, he's just slotted right back into me. He's that same person again, and he is out there, and I've seen a lot of people make the comment, like, he's going to be up there in rest of the year, but let's, like, this, he's still got two months to go at this fucking pace of, like, just delivering these matches. And, you know, the big other big thing I've always noticed is, you know, every match he's had has ended with a different finish, which is a big difference mm-hmm. to what he was doing in WWE where everything's patterned and, you know, most matches go kind of the same way. He's putting out like, some work out there right now and it's like, yeah, it's he is making a case for being, you know, the absolute best in the world again. And, you know, he's just... It's so exciting to see, to see someone who clearly loves his craft, you know, whether he's out there wrestling on Bobby Fish or he's out there wrestling on Eddie Kingston, he's going out there trying to be the best wrestler in the world and just kind of, it's art when he's out there now, Danielson, and like I say, these different finishes play into that, you know, you can tell he's a he's an artist out there doing what he loves, you know, anyone who's out there hoping for him to go back to WWE anytime soon, like one, I don't think it's happening, two, you can fuck off, because this is, we waited long enough, this is the Danielson I want to see, I can't imagine watching these last couple of months of AEW, I want to see him anywhere else, he's just, he's so in his element right now. That would be such the most ridiculous partisan thing in the world to want. Mm. Like, because there's nothing he, else he can do in WWE. Nothing else. I could so see him doing a Hall of Fame speech one day. Like, I, I could see it. But, like, this is his retirement should. run. This is this is what we're getting now. Yeah. You know? and, it, and you mentioned it there, and you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's an artist being given free reign mm. and creative kind of freedom, rather like Paul Verhoeven in Robocop. To- <laughs> Um, like, you know, yeah, that 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 that's what you can get with him. Mm. Sometimes you get a showgirls, but like we've not had a showgirls yet with Brian Danielson, so it's a wild comparison. But like, <laughs> he, he is like an alter. Like, I'm not saying WWE with these- showgirls either, by the way, because there's WWE stuff. He had a lot of high end stuff there too. Don't get yeah. me wrong, you know. There's a fair whack of showgirls in there though. At the <laughs> total, total, total Bellas was his uh, showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the big guys Very for you, true. but yeah, that's it. It's, it's, it's interesting yeah. though, but like, then you say like this retirement run is 40. I know. <laughs> it's like, it's, Let's hope it's not. <laughs> maybe it maybe yeah, changed his mind on that. But this is what I would say rather than a retirement run, it's a legacy run. Yeah, this is true. the time where it's like, I'm at that's my, way I'm kind of like kind of at my peak. I can have a series of matches potentially all over the world against the best wrestlers in the world. And I've got enough of a name to do it. And I am that fucking good. And it's the kind of like, I think that's the great thing is there's about this character is the kind of fierceness to it, as opposed to the WWE underdog, Brian, um, Daniel Bryan. It's so much nicer. Like you see it in the promos of Eddie Kingston. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get the best out of you because I want to have the best match, but I'm still going to win. Like, because only I'm the best wrestler in the world. So there's a kind of, it's a very well-earned arrogance Mm, to it. And I think it sets up all manner of different directions afterwards. And that's the weird thing coming out of a match like this. And that's really where I kind of think the greatness of it is, is after you think of the directions this goes in, because you go, I want to see this again, but you add storyline into the mix outside of a kind of tournament and two promos and a proper build. And fuck me, you got, you know, got magic. But and it's that confidence as well. It's that like, like he's a he's he's presented as a 
confident, dangerous man who can be incredibly nasty <laughs> and when he needs to be, you know, like, and you're just like, what a, you know, what a combination to having someone with that, you know, mm. the, the presentiment is a fucking underdog when you've got somebody laying in them brutal elbows there, like, like, oh, I love it. Just so enthused. I'm just so enthused by this run so far. It's just been great. And like you say, Ben, coming off the back of doing that patron show where we like went through the old stuff, I feel like it's almost like in some ways it's been this kind of, it's almost been like an element of continuity kind of thing of like we watch that run and then you'd like, you're just watching the mature version of that run kind of yeah. thing, like thing now. And it's, it's, it's just like there's no it, 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 yeah it's like it's like almost like the trajectory just going in the right direction from that point with just the what he's learned along the way just adding to it more and more like it's you know that whole wrestler of the year stuff it's that's not hyper hyperbole is it you know no. god you think with the time he's got like and the, the matches that he's had thus far any main events of wrestlemania yeah. we've got to throw that in yeah. <laughs> <Did> happen. absolutely <laughs> mental <laughs> Oh, I know what I love save, as well. Him to save the WrestleMania main event. He did again. Like that's the thing. You know, you can make that case. I mean, I was going to say as well. Like you know, if you thought I wasn't excited enough, the fucking post match as well. Like I was already on cloud nine, and I somehow had not seen any spoilers. Eddie Kingston and CM Punk going back and forth. Like I'm so excited about that too. Like if there's, to be honest, Punk and Brian feel like they're having like a bit of a like a you know they're like a. I don't know, like a Sean and Brett type of thing where like it's like an unofficial competition. Like they're both kind of doing the same thing right now. It's not exactly what I want Punk to do, don't, don't get me wrong, but like they're both going out there and just facing the roster, aren't they? And having these cool, you know, little different type of matches. Like I loved we'll probably go back and forth on Dynamite as well as Rampage here, but you know, I, I did really enjoy, you know, Punk on um, on Dynamite with Bobby Fish to, you know, against, you know, maybe my will to see that much Bobby Fish in a in a short period of the time. But it feels like he's out there doing the same thing and then you're teasing me with that with Punk and Kingston like just the promos alone you know like fuck like I was so excited about that prospect like I know I want to see Punk get into a blood feud and I'm not sure this is that but talk about someone like Eddie Kingston was like saying I know you because he fucking does you know like I love that line and I love that like that could bring something out of Punk you know even if it's in a you know not, not as a director way as like a big MJF feud or something like that it could bring a bit of that venom out of Punk and the match will be great too, but the idea of them two going back and forth on the mic just oh, that's so exciting. Oh, it was it was yes, like and then like I think I think when I'd I'd got on Twitter and I just saw you just like punk and Kingston kind of thing. <laughs> like I was just like I was like even just feeling your excitement at the moment for that when I was like rewatching it. Like we were talk talking about the pub pub yesterday, just the idea of these two, like for, you know, for you especially just you know, doing something together, you know, there on this is perfect uh, wrestling for me. My, my perfect wrestling promotion, the roster would be CM Punk, Brian Anderson, and Eddie Kingston. I don't need anyone else. Like, I'm happy. <laughs> like, it's just what a great, great 20 minutes. And, and just, the, just the builds that, like, that just, you know, Kingston's first line is like, Are you laughing? Like, you know, mm. and, and just, it just, it's, a small element to just provoke something to create like a story, but you would be if you, if, you know if mm. you saw someone you thought they were laughing at you, you you know you would be fucking needled by it as as well. And again, it just shows that it just doesn't need to have some convoluted element to it. You know, you just put two people together with that right dynamic, and you're just coming off the back of that interview, really, where 
there wasn't a huge a huge amount to it, but it was like it was just exciting, and again, it was just raw, and it just was quite like emotive, and just mm. you know, not a lot of words said between them, but already instantly at the end of that, you're just like fuck me, yes, you've just come right off the back of that match, and now you're just like punk Eddie Kingston with this bit of like um, you know needle between these two, like just hug it to my veins. Oh, awesome. if, if they do this match at the pay per view, I'll make I'll fucking. It might sound unrelated, but I will make you what watch Necro Butcher versus Samoa Joe because it's got Punk and Kingston on commentary with Rob Naylor and one of the greatest commentary performances of all time. Um, that's how far they go back. Um, you wouldn't think that was a tie-in, but it is. Um, but yeah, just <laughs> the fact that this is happening on mainstream TV—it's just nuts, absolutely yeah. nuts. Like this wrestling promotion, if there's ever any doubt, it's fucking built for me. Well, I mean, one of the things, A, if they do it at the pay-per-view, that's an upgrade from Wardlow. And yes, I like Wardlow. Yeah. That's an upgrade from Wardlow. Like, that's a serious... <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing you put on the undercard to kind of talk those extra few people who might be on the fence and not mm. sold on the main event into kind of buying the pay-per-view because you know kind of what you're going to be getting for this and it's going to be good fun. It seems to me, like post full gear in particular, that this is where they're going to go in the storyline directions. And mm. if you're wanting to put Danielson and Punk into storylines, I think if you've got Moxley and oh, Kingston to amazing. rub off on, I think that is really good. Now, all right, Moxley can be me company doing... too. I'm running it like All Star. All four of them wrestle each other, and there's a battle royal at the end. They all put a battle royal at stuff. the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get your yes phone fingers here. Um, uh, Shout out to James. It, it, Go um, it, it is one of those things where, like, you 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 kind of look at that dynamic. If you're wanting to kind of create interesting wrestling storylines, you've mm. got so much stuff going on there between all of them as well. Because you've got Moxley and Punk in terms of how Moxley's brought up into the wwe main roster as well and the fact he's had matches with danielson in there so like it's not like he feels like there's a fourth cog i think that there's such a fascinating dynamic with those four and i really hope that that's where they go into for me that's the kind of match i know they've announced they're basically doing their clash of the champions card um in early january that's one of the the stories that came out today yeah that's the kind of match i'd be putting on there as well like you 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 have the first set of matches basically at the pay-per-view and then you have that and like the television and the different dynamics and you can have you know a maybe i don't know if you want to give away punk versus moxley on tv but if you're looking to pop a rating and those ratings haven't you know below a million last week if you're thinking to yourself that's what you want to do i think that's for me i want them to go into a storyline direction i think that's the thing that AEW kind of need are those kind of big storyline stuff feel and at times i think this, this is potentially like big storytelling from people or from a load of people on the top of the fucking game oh and mox's book looks fucking great by the way <laughs> oh, a lot of screenshots of that on twitter this week yeah me too oh yeah <laughs> um, well we'll say how about round to uh to punk when we yeah. uh we clean up on um on dynamite but uh just continuing on the uh, the rampage side just to, to wrap up um i mean it was a really good hour of rampage i thought dante martin and matt seidel kind of followed that opener and you know that was a lot of fun too like matt seidel who's you know he's he's, he's maybe not every any i don't know if he is he anyone's favorite wrestler matt seidel i don't know maybe not these days but like he's a he's the type of veteran guy you can put in there with a dante martin and he's been there he's been dante martin in his past you know like that that's he knows how to work with these kind of flyers and get the best out of them. Like we all kind of 
know that's a big part of Osprey's story as well. Um, Working with Matt Sardell on uh, on Red Pro shows, and yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun too as a match. You know, not not in the in the same stratosphere as the previous match, but as far as a fun match between two flyers, where you know you got a Dante Martin who can go out there and do two or three different things in the match that you've either not seen before or not someone seen someone do quite like that before i thought this was a, a really good little uh, showcase for him in there in the middle of the the card here and uh, it had the tough act to follow but i really enjoyed this too i thought it was a lovely change of pace really enjoyed this went three and a half stars hmm. um martin tends to do things in these matches and some against someone like sidell as well he's such a good solid hand and i think i think he's had a really good aw run which when he considered he slipped off the top when he came into that casino <laughs> yeah. battle royal he's really saved himself hmm. but ultimately um like i think what this does if nothing else it just puts dante martin into storylines it hmm. just kind of gives him that little bit of an anchor and gives him like a little bit of a role. I mean, you know, the jury's very much out on where the Leo Rush stuff goes ultimately with him as his, his kind of like mouthpiece, probably slash tag team partner. Mm. But ultimately, he's such a phenomenal talent that you like, this is the kind of guy who does stuff that like, you saw it when he did that shotgun drop kick off the, off the top, when he jumped springboarded onto the top rope. The fucking height is ridiculous. Ridiculous, like genuinely ridiculous. Like, you know, you're talking ricochet levels of stuff and he's 20 and it's so much yet to come if he avoid it, if he avoids injury, basically. Um, but yeah, uh, three and a half, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was slightly lower on it than you. I was like 3.25. It was, you know, it was a good, fun, solid TV match for me. I think like just the, you know, the, the style is less, you know, less my cup of tea probably I suppose like I think I think what I want to see I probably want to see <laughs> it probably goes counter but I want to see him wrestle a little bit more and intersperse yeah. it like I always enjoyed Osprey more for example once he started to wrestle more in between the high spots and you know I think that's something that obviously will like come with time and things like that but don't want to sound like a broken record on this because it's something that I always come back to with AW. I just love this use. Use the veterans in there, you know, the likes of a Matt Seidel, the you know, the likes of a Bobby Fish and things that they can put in there with somebody who is younger and just give them that experience and just help kind of develop them and put them over. Perfect use for it, like you say, JP. Matt Seidel's done a cracking job with with that since he's is is come in, added a bit of something, and you know, helped uh, help progress some of these uh, these younger talents. Like so, you know that that worked well for me. You know, it was a Nothing, nothing right at home about nice, uh, nice solid TV match, but you know, served it served a strong purpose long term. Definitely, definitely, and yeah, if we went from there. Like I say, it was a really tight rampage, and that we go from that to Abaddon and Britt Baker, which don't get me wrong, wasn't a great match, but. I quite enjoyed this too. Like, I, my, my grapple rating mm. might seem, you know, contrary. So I've gone from four and a half to the opener to three and a half for the second match to 2.75 for this main event because there were a lot of things that went wrong, namely around the table. Yeah. And it was a bit yeah. of a mess, but it was an entertaining mess. I don't really know how it happened, but mm. it was it was like watching a car crash. I, think. I don't know if that's the best thing in the world, you know, if you want Britt Baker as, you know, your flagship star or whatever. And I don't know. I, I get the want to 
you know, put Abaddon out there on a on a on a Halloween weekend, I suppose. But you know, that gimmick um, is is not really one for me. But it did feel like on this night where you know the 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 the, the set of a rampage is you lead with your big match and then you know things kind of taper off from there. It held my attention and I found it entertaining and and not a bad way to kind of wrap up the show. I felt like we had a you know maybe not all three matches are to everyone's cup of tea, but we kind of had three very different matches and this kind of continued that trend for the night for me. Yeah, it was odd because, like, again, you, obviously we chatted yesterday and you said that you'd enjoyed this, and I was thinking, like, really? Like, yeah. I was just, like, I was amazed. <laughs> and then, um, I like then, see the world you know, there. Again, you know, I've, I say I've gone two and a half stars, but, you know, it's one of them. It was what it was, but it was, a, you know, it was, it was, it was a funny enough match, you know, for, mm. for the sake of 10 minutes or something like that at the, at the end, of this, uh, end of the show, you know. It's, is it something that you're going to critically analyze or anything like that no is it something that you're going to sit there and watch and just have a smile on your face at certain points and enjoy certain bits like absolutely you know i thought like the the fear and brit baker and things at certain points and stuff came across really well i loved as uh i loved uh, rebels work on the uh outside with abaddon and things like that as well that was like a good laugh she's always great had great value i think she really adds something to the to the act um as well but again yeah if you give me a give me this over you know just some some dull average you know three gentlemen's three kind of you know match that's got nothing much to it really where two lads are just going out for fill a bit of tv time for for 10 minutes or something like that because uh, yeah there was i did did a get a kick out of it at certain points Two and a half stars. It's the best we'll ever see Abaddon. As, <laughs> as, as fun as it is. We went out once a year, mate. Halloween, yeah. he's done. <laughs> I, I think that's being generous. But I, I mean, ultimately, I'm just like, okay, fine. I, I've saw worse. Like the Hikara Shida stuff, I think, kind of actively made me annoyed because Shida was champion and, and the rest of it. And for some reason, it didn't hear because it was like a non-title match. So mm. it was like, oh, okay. That I think that's like using the non-title matches, I think are good, but not always having the champion lose the ton- non-title match and therefore script who's going to be getting the next title shot. I think it's good little stuff like that. And I think in some ways it kind of frees this match up, doesn't it? Mm. For not having to worry about a title being in there as well. You can kind of go out there and just effectively have the match then with the finish. But yeah, uh, yeah, the table stuff was was kind of funny. I won't say. Yeah. It was. They just kept thinking of Matthew Botchamania, to be honest. <laughs> I am the table. Well, there's all linked to, to Dynamite, and obviously, you know, a little bit removed from Dynamite. I enjoyed those weekend Dynamite. It's a shame. Um, got another one coming this week. We can uh, maybe preview a little bit in a, in a second, but we should uh, definitely still talk Dynamite. And I thought, uh, you know, that, to be honest, was a really good, you know, two hour wrestling show as well. It's, they're on quite the roll at the minute, but I suppose a tie in there is, and I'll, you know, not often I'll leave with this, but I did think the uh, the women's title, the uh, TBS uh, title tournament match on, on that show was particularly great like uh, i know you're uh, a big uh, serena D- deep fan um gareth and this is the most i've kind of you know seen it in here you know she for halloween this weekend she dressed up as bret hart and to be honest if you, you'd believe she's the female equivalent to bret hart with the way the way she works you know there's a lot there's clearly a lot of influence and there's a lot of bret hart uh, influence wrestlers on this roster from danielson to pump to her to her but yeah i love this more focused heel run they're giving her and yeah, I didn't expect this to be possibly my favourite match on Dino, but I think it, it might have been uh, her and she that it was a, a really good little effort. 
I went four stars on this. I was, oh, uh, I absolutely, okay. I, I really, 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 really enjoyed it. It was, it was, uh, it was something that again, it was one of those that like they just had me like from the off, where you know, like Deeb's attacking that leg immediately, and um, and then there was the there was the bit where I think she um, she'd countered by putting Deeb's uh, head into the post, but then they were back in the ring, and she did. Um, then Deeb got the initiative again with like she did like the big chop block followed by elbows to the knee, then a big knee wrench. And then as she was like wrenching the knee, she was grinding uh, Sheeta's knee with her elbow on the other. And I was just like, oh, yes. I was like, this was like literally two minutes into the match. And I was just like, this is what I want kind of thing. It was just like, like real, real proper stuff. And again, I just think throughout the match, I thought the pair of them just like absolutely just clicked. Like they just, I, th- I think they, 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 they just seemed like perfect partners for each other. And I feel like something that worked really well in this was, I think Sheeda's maybe had a bit of like a, a raw deal off the crowds of late. She's had a bit of a colder reaction um, to, to some of the crowds. and But Deeb's heel stuff was so strong and Sheeda's baby stuff was so strong that the crowd got behind Sheeda and like were, were against Deeb. And I think it just really like added, um, added that um, dynamic to it uh, massively as well. But I, th- I think... I mean, I put something on Twitter at the weekend of like after that Nakajima match that there's nobody I enjoy watching um, more than mm. Nakajima right now, and then and then I watched this Dynamite and then I watched this match and Serena Deeb and I was thinking like, well, there's not many people I enjoy watching more than Serena Deeb at the minute. And then I watched the Rampage and saw that Brian Daniel Bryan match and I'm, and I was Brian Danielson match. I should correct myself and then like. I was just thinking, how good is this? That like, just I've just got these. Like, there's just these wrestlers just smattered around the place, and we're just going out there and just having these absolute bangers with like technical detail and like, you know, like ag- aggression and realism and just and and paying attention to like details and real sort of like small nuanced elements to to, to what they're doing as well. And um, it was, you know. You know Deep went for the old poke in the eye favourite of mine as well in this match as well for a, a little roll up as well. I was like, oh, another poke in the eye there as well. <laughs> lovely, <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. But and again, I think just the, the finish for this as well, where like um, Deep went for that sort of package pile driver style thing, but and then it was like rolled through, and then she'd have rolled back through the other way with a like really deep pin to get the get the um, three. Again, that was just executed so well and so smooth, and then it just looked like it just looked right that she got the pin in that way, and like how how deep she just had it had it sunk in, and then the the post match stuff with Deep just flipping and like you know mm-hmm. again chop blocking the bad knee that she'd been working on for the whole match, and just like repeatedly just waffling it with that chair, and just like absolutely looked like she was destroying a knee, like it wasn't there was everything was behind them chair shots, like. Great stuff. This, I've, you know, I'm saying for, you know, I, I could on another day nudge that up higher. Again, this is another one that's on the list where I'll be watching this, uh, watching this again because, again, for a TV match and a women's TV match, I'm just in AW, know, just knocking <laughs> in AW, just just knocking it out, just knocking it out of the park. The the idea that you can watch weekly television and just get a match like, whereas for so long you were just like starved of proper. You know, not just women's wrestling, just wrestling full stop, just watching weekly TV mm. and just not seeing matches of this calibre. And, you know, this alongside the Kingston Danielson one in the same, you know, within a couple of days in the same promotion. Amazing. 
Yeah, I would say like this AW Women's Division has been desperate for a a secondary star that's not Britt Baker. I think they found it in Serena Deep, JP. Yeah, I, that's what I was thinking. At the end of this, I was thinking, why it'd be good to see her and Britt Baker just to do the the kind of the face turn, have Jamie Hayter turn on Britt Baker and good side up with Serena Deep, do stuff like that because I think like she's a she's a really good heel, really really fucking good and it's such aggression to her work and and she's just been a, like a kind of a constant highlight ever since she came in i agree with you i think like in terms of finding that secondary start she's there and she's over and she gets matches over as well with with live audiences you know fucking hell like the, you know that that's what she does and what she does for that division is is really good it kind of like it, Thunder Rosa is the only other person I kind of think of someone else who's come into the kind of women's yeah. division and kind of added something directly to it. And Serena Deeb is one of those. And she seems to like, she's not injured at the moment. She hasn't got, she's not with the NWA or anything else. Um, or the Wu-Tang Clan or any other hip hop group <laughs> in the early nineties. But she, fit in she, to be fair. she's, she, she's, yeah. yeah, it's for the kids and heel women wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> And, and LA Park's family. <laughs> LA Park's family. Um, but she's, yeah, I think I think she should be a secondary star. I think she should be like a kind of a big star. And I think you can transition her out of that. In some ways, I'm kind of glad she's out of the TBS tournament because I'm thinking to myself, you kind of want to knock in around that, that um, world title division, don't you? Mm. That does give me a bit the of pause. Because I thought she'd win the whole the thing. Un- is the unknown. Oh, sorry. Mm. Yeah, I thought she might win the whole thing. I, th- I think, to be honest, though, the yeah. whole, you know, we know where it's going. It's it's the Jade Cargill tournament and somebody's going to have to lose to her in the final. I'm glad it's not Serena Deeb. It's, uh, it's not the worst way to get her out of that firing line, is it? Um, but I'm just I loving this. T- 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 I'll tell you what, though, like there where you like you, you say that and you like pick out the names and the criticism that the AW women's divisions had, like given, I mean, sh- from a star quality point of view, what Britt Baker is, and then you look at like you know she's she's improved and she's good enough in ring, and then you look at you know the some of the spots she's put herself in as well that she's not afraid to do from you know from a physicality standpoint with her elbow with Britt Baker, you've got that side of it you bring to the table. Alongside that, you throw Thunder Rosa into the mix, you throw um, Serena Deeb into the mix. Hikaru Shida's like always oh, good for me. She's she's been consistently good throughout the, the the whole period. You've got four people there within a division that all of them, any combination of that is like good for me. And then you say about like Jade Cargill, but just it's obviously an entirely different entity. And from an in-ring standpoint, it it's, it operates on a different level. But it's you're creating and just developing this new star who looks like a star and you know feels like a star on screen and things. And and you think about like the women's division where it was to where it is now. And I tell you what, if you um, I don't know if you ask me to take me take me top four out of AW versus watching more Charlotte Flair, more Bailey, more Sasha Banks, like. I think I'd rather be watching those on the other side of the fence. You, you, you know, now it just feels a bit, you know, fresher and different, newer, and you know, obviously, if any one of those ever did like come across to AW and enter the mix, then it's new matchups and things, and it would, you know, would be exciting. But 
you know, from the from the standpoint of looking outside of them, you know, I don't see anything in the WWE Women's Division that would, you know, get me as excited as what's going on right now with with the AEW Women's Division. Yeah, I think that's fair. There's a promo thing with Serena Deep, though. I would just say that we don't know, and that's the kind of other kind of bigger intangible. If she can deliver good heel promos, then yeah, but off to the races, aren't we? Um, but yeah, plenty to uh, to be positive about there. Um, going through that, I suppose the rest of um, of Dynamite, and there was a lot of good stuff on this show. I mean, it kicked off with with Punk and Bobby Fish. Like I say, I was pleasantly surprised by this match. Not that I expected them to shit the bed or anything, but found it. You know, I don't know, maybe I go three point seven five on it. I found it a really engrossing match. Like I just found like I, and I had Bobby Fish is in there, you know, he's not the most exciting man in the world. And like I said, I don't know whose monkey's paw was wished on for us to have this much Bobby Fish. Um, you know, let's hope <laughs> they give him a bit of a rest from uh, from being on TV now. But you know, he was fine as the other guy in the match and you know there was a lot of good, you know, leg work in there. You know, the the, the I don't know where you guys land on the finish. I know there's been controversy over that as to what exactly happened whether Bobby Fish kicked out before the three or it was after the three and it was on purpose or not in a way it kind of added to that story that you know Punk as he's been telling in a lot of his matches you know he's finding his feet still and he was you know struggling a bit you know with the with the leg injury and he just about managed to get the GTS and just about managed to get the finish if it wasn't on purpose it kind of worked um, even if Bobby Fish is a, a strange guy to do it with and yeah I just thought he went out there and had you know if Danielson wasn't around like it's almost you know because Danielson's matches are maybe a little bit of a cut, cut above Punk's work you know I'd be raving about Punk like I'm raving about Danielson because I am, you know, I'll, I'll shelve my, uh, my my same old complaints about I want to see him in a big program. Eddie Kingston might be it. But as far as the individual match work goes, like, it's all interesting stuff. And it's, you know, this was another different match for Punk. And yeah, you know, not a five star match by any means, but definitely a, a, an enjoyable one. And yeah, and to add to the list of enjoyable matches AEW have uh, given us this last week. That's why we talk about it so much because mm. they deliver really good in-ring wrestling on a on a regular basis. I went three and a half stars on it. I mm. think my main note on it is it's really good, good um, proper wrestling from two salty veterans. Yeah. Like it, it, that's kind of what it felt to me. Mm. And you know, there's a little bit of kind of like the finish in a way. I thought initially, it kind of, my natural instinct was it kind of bothered me, and then I thought about it. Before reading anything about it, I thought about it at the time, and I was like, "Okay, I kind of get it because he's." It, it's this whole. I look at the CM Punk runners like the retired gunslinger coming out, mm. like kind of going back in and and taking on all comers and realizing that things have slightly changed a bit, and maybe he's lost a step, so he needs to think about what he's going to do, and maybe laying the hints that the GTS isn't the the kind of knockout blow that you would have expected it to be. Maybe he'll do the Pepsi plunge, Ben, mm. as his new, new finisher after that. But that it's the kind of thing good. where, like, again, sorry to hark on a, a, what seems to be a common theme with AEW, but it has meaning. Like, it, that's what it does, and it makes it interesting. And, yeah, his in-ring run, return, it's been, it's been quite, it's been better than what I thought it was. I kind of went in with very much sort of tempered expectations, but there's nothing that I've watched of his where I've gone, oh, that was shit. Like, we've not, we're not reaching that stage, are we? I don't think anything he's done has been bad. I think it's all been good. And he's going to get better once he's had a few more reps in the ring. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I mean, I think I, I think I went three, 
I was flitting between 3.25 and 3.5. I was definitely at that end of the spectrum kind of thing for the, you know, mid thing. But at the end of the day, you know, for a, you know, relative, you know, the time that was given for a TV match and things like that, I didn't even know that. I didn't even realize that there was this, like, I don't know, this discourse about the, the finish and Bobby Fish kicking out. Like, yeah. I liked it. <laughs> like, because, because, because after he hit the uh, GTS, it took him ages to get over to Bobby Fish. So I thought, I thought, like, like it, it was right that he kicked out because he'd had enough time to kind of come round and just sort of like, you know, kick out just after the three. You know, it felt like he kicked. You know, my notes here is Fish kicks out on three point one kind of thing. Like to me, it was like, yeah, that was logical. Like it was, you know, Punk took so long to get over to him because he was selling the knee so hard and things that it, that it just, it just. It just fit in, and it just it just worked on. Alvarez on said it was like a, um, a timing issue, which I don't really understand. There's been some conversation about you know how shocked Punk was after it and looked kind of glared at the referee, but you know he could just have been working really well. There is some talk that maybe Fish went into business for himself. Like no one's really cleared it, and there's no stories came out on exactly what well, it is. It was just a bit off. Oh, I, Bobby Fish just decided I'm bigger than this fucking sport. I'm, you know, <laughs> the people have come here to watch me, so I'm going I mean, to he's got myself. he's got worse views than that, JP, as you well know. It wouldn't. Oh, I know. He is a bit of a head Jumbo Jumbo's through to kick out, <laughs> out 3.1 against Mitsawa Misawa in, in August 1990, and it works out all right for Mitsawa. So I'm sure Punk will recover from this in the fullness of time. Mm. It was it was just another good example, though, like I say, of uh, getting the young lad in there with the older guy to just uh, get some rep and help them again. Which one's the young As the young whippersnapper uh, CM Punk <laughs> to go over on the old, uh, the old veteran, 45-year-old Bobby Fish there, just uh, putting the lad over, giving him a, giving a bit of in-ring time. There you go. Good to you, veteran. Um, yeah, so, yep, enjoyed that. Um, just skipping through the rest of the dynamite. Any thoughts on the MJF promo? It was uh, definitely much uh, shock value MJF, we were we were yeah. back with here, um, officially uh, setting the match up for full gear with Darby Allen. The biggest shock I had was because I was only I was sort of like half watching it at the at the point that Darby Allen was in the crowd, so I missed the whole like thing with his mask, and I just saw him in the crowd, and I thought he'd come as Inspector Gadget. For, um, oh no! Because of the big coat, I was like, he hasn't got. I was like, did he have an Inspector Gadget mm. mask on? And then I rewound it and saw the Invisible Man mask, but I was like, at least you knew after. I wrote down. What's going on with the gadget coat? I wrote down. Dressed as a crime wash flasher from 1987. <laughs> 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 jacket there. Um, <laughs> you don't get much flash these days, do you, JP? That's a good uh, It's an old school. It's one. not a thing anymore. It's like dick pics replaced it, didn't it? Yeah. Um, it's all gone online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like in our day. <laughs> it's an old thing to get nostalgic for. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was the shock jock promo. Like yeah, from MJF. I'm, I'm not a fan of it because I kind of think you need to be better than this if mm-hmm. you want to like sort of be like a cut above. Like you need to be, be be insulting, but just be a bit more clever with your insults rather than what is effectively kind of like mum and girlfriend jokes and the rest of it. It's just like Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, we went from there to uh, to Sam. Speaking of uh, weird builds, Sammy Guevara and uh, and Ethan Page. 
they had a professional wrestler match with two professional wrestlers in it, mainly made to uh, to set up uh, the uh, the angle afterwards with uh, with Jericho coming out and speaking of retro promos like i don't i don't know jericho is uh definitely pulling from his 90s bag of uh of insults in this feud but as i continue to say it doesn't matter what i think it's fucking over and this feud continues to be hugely over so you know whatever you know uh it seems to be uh seems to be working on the live crowds yeah again, it, was, it was exactly what you said the match itself was it was a yeah, a professional wrestling match. It was a nice, average, you know, TV, you know, mm-hmm. TV match. Fine, good, good, giving them that bit of exposure and things. The, the Jericho promo, like parts of it, I was just like, just yeah. That's the only like, thing you, oh. the only thing you've beat is yourself in the hotel room. I was just like, oh, it's just, like so lame. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like yeah, it just. How did we get through that Rampage review without me having a go with his commentary? That's how much I enjoyed Rampage. I forgot how much I fucking hated Jericho on that show. Like, I, I tweeted this and I honestly meant it. Is there ever a point where he's talking on commentary where you don't think, you know, if he wasn't talking, this would be better? Like, he just, nothing he says, everything he says is like, it's the obvious comment or the obvious joke and he just shouts it. Like, oh, he's so bad. I don't remember him being this bad when, you know, we had the, the empty arena dynamites and stuff. Like, I just feel like he's getting worse. Um, but like I say, the show was so good that I, you know, I won't complain about it too much. But oh, I just find him absolutely awful. Especially in a four-man booth where half the time when he is talking, you're thinking, I bet your Taz would have something incisive to say right now. But instead, Jericho is making a bad joke. Like, can we oh, can we move on from this? Like, I, I don't think Tony Khan's ever going to tell him no. So I think we're stuck with it. But yeah, I can't stand it. So, I, I zone it out I have to throw it at in. times. On, mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to zone it out. I, I don't blame you for that, mm-hmm. mate. <laughs> it was funny watching thing. him run down at the end of the, like when they're all running into the ring. <laughs> in the back. <laughs> yeah. God love And it reminded me of, do you remember, do you remember, um, oh, what was it, Mr. Burns' dog, his original dog that he had. When oh, when he, he was a little kid. Hound. Oh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this dog is like kind of like kind of barely wheezing out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when he bagged his first hippie. That young man didn't think he was so groovy. <laughs> I mean, God bless him for still wanting to be in the hunt and being as over as he is and, you know, making Mate. this shit work. But yeah, it's not for dad me, rock. Face Jericho. It's pure but... dad rock at this point, isn't it? Mm. Oh, it's cringe. It's mm. like... Yeah, it's, it's, what Jericho, what Jericho is for me is is always like I see him and I always just think, oh god, I hope I hope that doesn't end up being me, like where you where you trying to cling on <laughs> to your youth too much that you're like that it's it, it just becomes so cringy. I know I'll probably say plenty on you where I am too old and say cringy things kind of thing, but like him him, it's just like oh, it's 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 getting like it's yeah. getting, but I almost feel like he's. Is is with the the amount of commentary that he's got to do and the amount of interview time that he's he's getting, it's almost like he's trying too hard, kind of thing. Mm. Like, is this was this the show? Because I've watched basically four episodes of stuff in dead quick succession. Was this the one where he did the Aerosmith thing as well at the end? Yes, was, this, was, was that on this week's show? Because it was boss just like, yeah. oh, jeez, so try hard, isn't it? Um, oh, that's it. it just. 
but I will say, you know, it, it, you say it's a bad thing if we if we grow up to be Jericho. I mean, you know, he got a he got a rock band. He's uh, he's wrestling when he wants. He does, but you know, he's living a decent life. So you know, there's uh, there's good things to be said about uh, being Jericho yeah. at this point in his career. But yeah, not for us. Um, but yeah. So he's moving on then. The uh, other main thing, I suppose, from the undercard, uh, Moxley squashing uh, 10 in a couple of minutes. Love that. Love the intensity it. of it. Uh, I think oh. it's, Alan's getting a lot of shout-outs on the show, but I did see him tweet about this, saying, like, you know, at some point down the line, this is going to be paid off this. You know, Pre- Preston Vance is going to remember that this happened to him and how exciting is it going to be when, you know, whatever happens, whether he ends up with another match with Moxley or it plays into some other facet of his character. Like, he doesn't lose anything by being killed by Moxley in this fashion, and Moxley comes across like the, the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Like, I'm I'm loving him right now. Oh, this presentation of him currently, just these last, probably this last month from his promos to his in-ring stuff, just this kind of, like, almost this Angry just, dad. like, kind of wild, wild <laughs> animalistic, unhinged, <laughs> just, like, oh, it's, it's, it's fucking ace. And, like, uh, again, just the... the the quick speed of these matches of late as well. It's just like really just putting that side of it across even more. Like you say, the the 10 stuff, he loses nothing. Obviously, he'd had the arm injuries, had the head thing this time kind of thing. Again, I'm, I, I agree. Like hearing, hearing you say that from, from Alan, that this will pay off at some point. It'll, you know, it'll lead into something that's a positive for 10, I'm sure, like further down the line and things. Mm. But, oh, God. Moxley, right? And like <laughs> again, where like coming back to my point before, I was saying about you know Nakajima and then Deeb and then um, uh, Brian Danielson just add Moxley to the mix. Like again, like every time he's on my screen, I'm just like fucking yes, you know. I just want to see him and I just want to see more of him, you know, every time. Which considering the length of you know he's he's already had a world title run, he's he's done stuff where he's like faded into the background a bit, but then they still just like here we go, we're just going to turn the heat upon him again a little bit more. And absolutely, like what a what like what a what a fucking presence he is. He's absolutely ace. And if, it, and if it hints at the heelish direction, if that's the route he ends up going down, you put him in there with a kind of beloved baby face as well, and you have him behaving this way, it all adds in perfectly. And they're high on Preston Vance, so you know he's going to be around for the long haul. Because he's been around for, like, he's one of their, like, first kind of, like, younger signees from, like, kind of duck and stuff like that. He's He's up there with one of the first guys, so... Yeah, I love this. Exactly what it needs. It's like I went two stars, but it's like the it's like that weird thing sometimes when you star rate them. It's like the best two star match you're going to be seeing because yeah. it lasts about two minutes and does exactly what it is. Well, realistically, like, like Fuego, but, Solo, Nero, yeah, you know, we're grading on a curve, aren't we? Because realistically, like nothing happens, mm. so it's like a half star. But because it was that good a match, like two, you know, it's the it's yeah. the wrestlers versus. <laughs> I went I went two and a half. Did you? There you go. Hi. Yeah. As good as the other uh, rampage made event. There you go. Uh, but yeah, really effective with what it did. Not paid by the minute. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Please slow it. We went from there to, and um, we haven't had your thoughts on all of this Cody stuff, Gareth. A Cody promo. I mean, it was all it was all very John Cena. I don't know where, where I'll land on this. Um, I think it's a dangerous game that they're playing with Cody. Like, the promo, I think, was good, but it was good in the way every John Cena, you know, you can boo me if you want, you can cheer me if you want, promo was good. Like, in the execution of the individual segments, often John Cena was very good in that role. 
I don't like it if it means this is this is it, you know Cody. I'm 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 holding out hope that I, that an act. I know he goes with shades of grey and whatever that we are leading to a genuine heel turn. I think you sh- with these things you shouldn't fight the crowd. I think that's a that's a lesson we should have learned mm-hmm. from WWE style pro wrestling. And hopefully, you know, Cody is smarter than maybe some of the uh, the credit we were giving him uh, last week, JP. And that like you know, yeah, I think he's smart to a point. You know, he recognizes you know the 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 way the crowd's gone. He's tried to explain it away in his in his kind of own way about how they thought he'd gone Hollywood and he was given his own kind of narrative to it and it seemed to work for the night but I hope that's not the long term direction and it he's not going for a, a John Cena kind of act. I hope it's like a you know a step along to whenever this heel turn comes or or something um along those lines because it is all all a bit weird right now. Uh, never mind the fact that Malachi Back and Andrade are there for some reason a team, which I still don't really understand at all. Like that's another WWE thing. They're hanging around together because the heels. I mean, maybe we're supposed to think something about the fact that Malachi Black's, you know, wife used to manage Andrade, but these are two wrestlers who would not hang out together in real life. I don't buy it, and I don't like it for the, you know, just for the convenience of being able to do a tag program. I think if anything, if they'd just done a four way, I think I'd be more into this kind of feud. Like I think a. a the four-way match of the pay-per-view would, would fit a lot better than maybe the tag match they're, they're leaning to. But, yeah, what's your thought been on the, the last couple of weeks of, uh, of this Cody stuff, Gareth? I think they do know what they're doing. And I hope so. I think, I think they're just leaning into it very, very heavily and knowing that, knowing from, like, the John Cena experience and things like that that you referenced there, I just think by presenting him in this way and then do it, you know, this they're almost like fanning the flames a little bit more by by going down this, you know, almost pushing that saccharine sweet baby face and him just like the apology to the crowd and him bringing up his brother and his wife and his children and everything like that and doing the apology to the fans. It's going to get, like, they know, they're, so, they're, they're smart enough to know that that's not going to wash with a crowd that's decided that they don't like you anymore and they you know they they're giving you a, a negative reaction they know that going out there as a baby face and doing apologies and uh, and presenting it that that ain't going to get people on your side all of a sudden and, and 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 a hint to them knowing it to me is allowing andrade to have that line of him talking about making stupid choices and saying the first one being that stupid tattoo and like that was all. That was never going to get him booed. That was always going to get like a positive reaction for Andrade saying something, you know, saying something like that. So, so to me, so tangibly true. <laughs> well, absolutely, yeah. very, you know, very, 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 very true as well. But to me, this, this just, fit, you know, all these things like I will not turn, you know, I love you, and all, all this. That, that, that's not how you. That's not how you get people on side. They 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 know, and it's it's going to be a case of pushing it and pushing it. And you say about like not going against the crowd, they'll go against. You know, they will do it. But once they've pushed it to the limit, that that entire crowd is booing him, and everybody in the building hates him, and everybody's just like fuck off, Cody, because you you know where you still do have that pockets of positivity. They can just keep pushing this now to the to make everybody turn on him and then the turn comes. This shouldn't be something for me that they just hot shot. I just think they've got something here that they can they can push and push and push and build through, you know, 
um, build through a longer term. And and they're all clever enough to to do that. I don't believe for one second that Tony Khan thinks, oh, I can get all these people back on side and have Tony uh, and have Cody Rhodes as a big baby face again from this point. He's, he, he fucking knows the score. That's my hope that, that Tony's going to step in. Like I heard Tom Martin talk about this this weekend and his kind of take was like, let's hope... Let's hope that is the case and Tony does think that because I could believe Cody doesn't. That's the only thing that gives me doubt. I could believe when Cody does these interviews and he talks about, I just don't want my baby girl to see me as a heel. It's like, mate, she's like a month old. She doesn't give a fuck what you're doing on TNT on a Wednesday. Like, she's not going to be watching it for like another 10 years. Shut up. Like, I, I do believe he maybe believes that. I just, where I agree with you, Gareth, is that I hope like, and I hope I don't know, Tony Khan's wise enough to, you know, be like, mate, you're a heel now. Come on. Like, let's go. Like, I just, yeah, it's Cody that gives me a bit of doubt. I think Cody knows. I think he's leaning into that when he's saying stuff like that. He's, he's, to, me, to me, he's it, leaning into it. It's also the fact he brought up the stipulation, mm. which is always the big heel turn move. Mm. So there's always that aspect to it as well. I think that they can, they can go down it. Yeah, I, I'm more leaning, I'm much more leaning towards they know what they're doing. It's just that Cody also is, no, we need to drag this out. We need to drag it out. And it needs to almost get worse and worse and worse. And mm. like to get to the point where he does something and it's really against which baby face he does it. And how does he cost it? In terms of the, the tag team match they're setting up, what a we- it is a weird foursome ultimately because yeah. don't get me wrong, the link there is, you know, with Zelina Vega, but unless she's invisible, <laughs> and like kind of working there illegally like you've got to explain that connection at some point because otherwise it looks very weird but they even go like, the same but like say they were mates Andrade and Malachi Black Malachi Black I want to go to the crazy house or the swan and like Andrade would be wanting to go to like the, you know, the posh bars in the Albert Dock sorry that was a very Liverpool reference but like <laughs> they, can't, yeah. they, they just don't like they wouldn't be in the same they universe they both would enjoy the ship and mitre wouldn't they <laughs> that's, they true. that's true Maybe that's true yeah, much better time all round no, and over to Dead Crafty as well as Gareth would say. I want them to. Uh, I want them to give him a good eighties tag team name, like the the Nether Mex Connection or something like that. <laughs> uh, Just give him a reason. I don't know. There's got to be some uh, some tra- trade agreement between the Netherlands and Mexico or something like that's that. That's what Jiggy Walker and Danny Hope were called the Milanfield Connection because Danny Hope's Milan. Oh. Awful. awful. <laughs> 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 But, uh, I mean, with this, like, I agree. If it was a four-way, it would make a lot more sense. And if you had a number one contendership thing there as well, and then you had Cody winning it, which means that would piss off the crowd even more and then whether or not he'd accept it. There's some good, easy storyline stuff, but Pat being involved in the tag match, Cody, Mm. he's a brilliant wrestler, but again, it feels like it's very much like he's a a spare wheel. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I think it's maybe... um, not to harp on this Cody stuff, but I think it's maybe Rhodes to the top as well. It's giving me doubts, but let's just hope that's all a big work as well. And he's coming across as the world's most, you know, unaware dickhead on that too, to be a, you know, saying that he's not the world's most unaware dickhead. That's Brandy. Um, have you watched that yet? I, 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 have you watched any of it? No, no, I haven't, I haven't watched any any of that. I don't don't think I'll be uh, finding the time for that one uh, based, on, based on what I've heard. But, uh, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just think if she knew who Cody Rhodes uh, was, 
she'd probably watch it, but she's, she's got no, she's literally had no engagement with AEW at all, so she, she wouldn't have any interest. But back on that side of things, like, I can just see Cody Rhodes stood in the ring in two months' time, three months' time, just telling them, like, again, I love you, I, I, I won't turn, and like, <laughs> and, and all the crowd booing him, and, 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 but he's turned, but, yeah. and, and, and that's the turn that he's there telling them how much he loves them. And he's a great guy and I'm not going to, and like everyone's booing him and he's like, yeah, you've the turned there too. kind of thing. Like, you know, think, think, yeah. think of the feuds, Hangman Page, CM Punk, like how fucking great a heel Cody would be in there with CM. It'd be Punk's type of match as well. Brian even, like there's, that's where all the money is. Like there's nothing to be done with Cody as a baby face at this point. Like let's, let's get there. And, and, and you know what? Like I, I, I was thinking the other day about um, um, Adam Cole because mm. I was thinking he's not a fucking heel. Mm. He's, the, he's one of the most over baby faces in the company with his yeah. entrance and things. And, and you think with like Cody's history with the elite and things, like uh, you, you know, but with with the um, with the Adam Cole stuff potentially, mm. that's a that's a great one as well for, for for him to get involved with. There's so many options. It's, yeah. uh, We'll get there in about four years on uh, on Tony Khan's calendar, but it'll be good when we get there. Um, Assuming Cody doesn't get bored next week and just do something else. (laughs) That's the other problem, yeah. 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 Might not see him again until 2022. Uh, Who knows? but yeah, speaking of Adam Cole, obviously the last thing to uh, to note on this uh, on this dynamite before we uh, do get a couple of other things we've been watching in before uh, we get too close to the three hour point. Uh, Dark Order and Elite, I won't harp on. It was Halloween, you know. Uh, this is not the moment for me to complain about Kenny and the Bucks being mid card goofballs, even though I just kind of did it. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, you know, it's a Halloween main event. They did the whole dress up thing. It was. It was fun. I'm not going to be uh, the grouch in the corner of the party. I and mean, to be fair, the Hangman Page stuff work to you know as, as daft as it's uh it is on paper you know them doing the whole thing with it being uh the state state puff marshmallow man did work and it was a you know a clever kind of thing to do with the whole brandon cutler be allegedly being under there and the uh the reveal at the end it was yeah a moment that worked i would like for the next couple of weeks for them to get a bit more serious edge with this view but i believe they will you know they got two more dynamites and two more rampages to to get to the baby view i'm sure there'll be there'll be more to come um but yeah it was a it was an entertaining halloween night main event so you know that's what it was it was a bucks and kenny multi man mm-hmm. isn't it and uh, you know it's one of those things where it's going to be a lot of spectacle and things like that and it delivered what it needed to yeah hit the story beat at the end then with hangman page yeah that's that's what it was that's what it achieved i mean i don't get me wrong i laughed at bits of this because it was funny and, and quite creative for it but it's that kind of formula of a young bucks kind of or the the elite multi-mans mm. i should say that follow this path but you know what i don't mind that like because i don't are. watch these things they do always work i fully enjoyed this like it was just such good fun like again, mm. again it was just it like to say everything doesn't have to be you know, serious, and as much as I enjoy that side of wrestling, like the hard hitting side, I get as much champion, buzz out. Anyway, you know, I get a kick out of this stuff. Like, I think it's 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 good. And what this really just reminded me of, it just reminded me of a match that you would see at an indie show or something like that, where you just see mm. all this ridiculousness, all these ridiculous spots. You know, it's the sort of thing that you just you know just randomly see that's not meant to be televised or something like that and it's just it was just a a fun 
like wild, ridiculous indie match that just translated to TV just very, very well. And like, again, I just, you know, enjoyed myself. I think it was almost like the main event of um, Rampage to some degree that it was almost like, it was almost just pulled out and you just sort of treated like in isolation at all. It's, it's Halloween. It's a, it's a fun main yeah. event kind of thing. Don't take it too seriously. And, you know, it, it's, it's, but in both instances, I think it went that way. And I just enjoyed stuff like, I just enjoyed seeing Cabana get a good bit of TV time and get to do a few like things and stuff. It feels like he's been shunted to the background. I was a punk on comedy this week. Oh, <laughs> I love that. There you go. That would, that would have been the one. Like John Silver again, just getting a bit more TV time and, you know, still the, still the best hot tag in the business. Mm. Um, <laughs> nice to see that a win as well. Yeah. yeah. But I was going to say they're just out WWE. They're out WWE, WWE. If that makes any sense, they're managing to kind of do that kind of silly. Here's a holiday season throwaway match, and somehow, like even when they did the Space Jam stuff, it was like kind of fun. They managed to do that stuff just that little bit better, with a little bit more creativity and a bit more forethought as well. And yeah. did you hear about the original idea, work. JP, that they wanted to do Squid Game? Instead of Ghostbusters, but uh, TNT wouldn't they? Uh, green lighter. Oh, <laughs> they'll get to do it at some point in the future. I imagine. I would love to see how they do it. Mm. Um, I don't want to see them coming out and be acting like the four VIPs on the other end. Then I'll be fucking livid. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, so there we go. Fun, great episode of Dynamite, though. Like I said, we were, yeah. it wasn't anything bad on that show, was there? No fat. Um, just a fun two-hour show, followed by a fun one-hour rampage. It's a, it's a great time we're living through, folks. I know we all get like wrapped up in ratings and whatever. And yes, the viewership for Dynamite wasn't great, as we talked about in the weekend show. And yes, you know, Rampage, I think, just about lost to the demo on SmackDown this week. But the fact that it's even in the conversation is, is a positive. But as far as actual, you know, the wrestling they're offering us and you know the the product that they're offering us as a whole, there's you know yeah. there's little things you can pick on, isn't there? But there's not a lot of complaining to be done. It's a, it's a great time to follow AEW right now. Yeah, and you just almost have to just like take you know reflect back on what we've just spent an hour talking about there, mm. and whether it's match quality, whether it's storylines, whether it's just some fun shit happening, and you know that's just throwaway and stuff. Just got that mix perfect, absolutely, mm. absolutely great. Yeah, great week for AEW. Um, but yeah, like I say, before we uh, we do go there too far down the line, we've got a couple of other things we're gonna um, mention that we've what have I missed. I was just laughing at Liam's comment in the chat about Hangman struggling to get his feet out of the staple of marshmallow. <laughs> so he ended up looking like he was going to spray paint your car in over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, there was a lot of stuff we've, yes. uh, we've watched as well. I mean, yeah. Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk a bit of Noah? You guys have, uh, I haven't Go seen on. this one, but uh, I, don't do. you not watch it? I haven't, I haven't done my homework this week, I apologise. I had success <laughs> before the show. <laughs> yeah, so it was, uh, it was Demolition Stage this, uh, this weekend and like, you know, jumped straight to the main event really because it was a match that yet again, you know, I've referenced him previously, just Nakajima, just, you know, delivering for, for me again and the, you know, a big match. You know, I gave this match 4.25 and it was just 
absolutely just excellent stuff as he took on Masato Tanaka for the uh, for the title. Um, his, his, his first defence, and this was a match where like Nakajima had never beat him before. Um, and Masato Tanaka had beat him in the N1 just you know sort of a month ago, really. So again, it was just quite nice nice stakes that this was um, set up with initially with that uh, backstory and the and the title um, on the line there, and you know. I think this was just another match where you just had that kind of in- inherent hard hitting and brutality that you're always going to get from from Nakajima, where you know right from the off, basically he was just looking to just take uh, Masato Tanaka's right arm out of the game, and he was just absolutely just dominating him with kicks and strikes, and just you know taking his uh, just absolutely just tearing into his right arm. Took him outside the ring, twatted it around the ring post. It was, you know, just really just viciously going for it. And like the kicks that he was laying in on Tanaka's arm, they just looked absolutely brutal. Um, the, um, the Tanaka himself ended up having, you know, eventually he was, he was beat down for, you know, quite a, you know, quite a long time. And then eventually he came back into the match where he was um, sort of working on Nakajima's neck a bit more. So that was quite nice that you had the, you know, the arm side of thing versus the the, the neck work that was uh, working there as he was, you know, Tornado DDT and Crossface and um, um, d- uh, different sort of submissions that he was he was putting in there really. To, so so again, you had that kind of like wear, between, wear down between the two. Like one of the positives I talked about previously with the, Danielson Kingston match was how quickly that fatigue set in and then sometimes in a match you can get it where it comes much later like you literally got to like the half an hour point in this match and they were both like the pace just slowed right down and just the fatigue of battle had sort of like set in and shown here and and again it was almost kind of it was almost like a longer form (laughs) version I suppose of that you know Kingston Danielson match to, Mm -hmm. to some degree that the the um, the maybe the brutality between them wasn't as brutal, but it was almost kind of like weared down over a longer period of time. But they got to that half an hour mark, and it didn't feel like half an hour at all. It didn't feel like you were watching a New Japan main event or something, you know, something like that, where it feels really, uh, feels really long and drawn out. But you know, they just got to that stage then when the fatigue had set in. They were just getting into where they were having the forearm exchanges and the kick exchanges again, and then uh, ultimately, like coming through into the the finishing stretch there. Where normally, with you know a lot of big matches in you know Noah that I've watched over the last two years, there seems to almost be that decisive win with not a lot of you know kickouts. And um, whereas this, they just really just kind of like exchanged finishes there, where Tanaka landed his frog frog splash, you know Nakajima landed egg kick and the vertical spike. Um, the sliding elbow from Tanaka and they both went for pinfalls with it and they were all like you know 2.99 kick outs so you kind of almost got to that that end point where you were feeling like you know they were really going back and forward they were both kind of like in desperation trying to just hit something big to get the job done and you know they built it so you genuinely didn't know which way this was going to go like when you were watching it you know live in the moment there Nakajima finished things off with a vicious looking soccer kick to the face and um, um, you know uh, Tanaka kicked out at a 2.99 which then you know he was dragged up Nakajima hit the vertical spike for the for the one two three and just 
again, my my love affair with Noah continues because as long as they keep uh, delivering matches like this, I'm always going to be tuning in. And the idea for me that midweek I'm sat there watching Noah live, it's such a far cry for me over you know my escalation in engagement with this product that I was literally sitting there, couldn't wait to watch this live um, you know at lunchtime at work. And yeah, fucking great stuff. Delivered, delivered big time. I, I went four point two five on on this, so it was right there with the um, Danielson Kingston match for me. Do you watch it, JP? I, I did. I went four point two five on it as well. Um, like I, I agree a lot with um, with obviously what Gareth said in, in terms of it. It had that good, well paced, attritional Noah main event style. I think part of it is very attritional. Is a lot of it's about wearing people down. And like kind of brutalizing them, and Nakajima does it in such a way where it's it's so vicious. It's like if ever you think there might be a lull, he'll just do a kick, and it will just kind of wake you up and like jolt you um, out of action. And it feels like his charisma is really shining through. I don't think they set up a new challenger, did they? At the end of this, they didn't. But then in no. the interview, interview, it said the it said the I am Noah line again, which. Obviously, Shiazaki was was saying. Obviously, the former tag partners as well. So, it all looks like it's leading leading towards that. And that's yeah. just, to me, that's just mouthwatering. Just for that Shiazaki return to just take him on for the title, like that's fucking top notch stuff. That. And again, I have to say, do you know, watching this on Wrestle Universe, a fucking breeze compared to New Japan World. Oh, it no. really is. Disagree. This is why I didn't watch you. Fucking Chromecast <gasps> support is fucking garbage. Oh right, it's a very me problem, but like I couldn't face <laughs> it. it. No, honestly, I couldn't face dealing with it because it doesn't work. <laughs> and the website's fucked on Chrome, um, on Android. So I honestly, I'd have wow. watched this match if it had been on Watch Wrestling, and no one had got around to loading it to Watch Wrestling, yet, so I didn't watch it. Despite the fact I have access to the official service, like I can't watch it on the official service. So yeah. I believe the commentary was great, though. Again, I, I saw like some uh, yeah. some of the jokes that were in there and stuff, and you know, I'm sure the service is great for everyone else. It's just my particular device. Oh, it, there, there was a bit of there was a bit of commentary there. It's so simple, but like um, Masato Tanaka landed a huge superplex at like the 35 minute mark when they were both fucked, and and Pickering just went like, "Good." God, like just as he like just as they hit the day, and it was so simple. But it just, it just really just, it just carried over the like emotion and feeling that they that just broke into each other so much that like it, it didn't need to be anymore. It didn't need to be some commentator just going over over the top. It was like almost like under his breath kind of thing, and and it just worked like so well and there was a lot of humor obviously that they've thrown in there like Stuart Fulton loves his little uh his little one-liners and you know it was it was picking out a few about like <laughs> you know Nakajima and uh the ladies love of him and uh and, and things but uh <laughs> but yeah I, I just think the way that they call it just makes it makes it so accessible to me as a like a new yeah. Noah fan and just filling in the backstory and just making you feel you know, engaged and like you know what's going on, and just giving you little bits of storyline and little bits of history and things. So they 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 really are good, especially when they're calling this type of match. Mm. This is when they're at their best because their immediate engagement with like being able to call wrestling, being able to call wrestling that's been done really well as well, as opposed to like the previous match which Muto got the pin on someone in the six man. The, Obviously, the, of course he does. Mm-hmm. But the fact how that I've it's come not to turn on him is like I was a 
mm. you know, ten year old may be fucking crushed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with the commentary, like that's the positive, isn't it? That they mm. are fans, but that's yeah. positive. Like it's endearing in a way. I mean, they're very professional too. Don't get me wrong, but like, yeah, it is a it is a real selling point of this product right now. But it's, they're not. They're um, just the the way that they coexist. Like their partnership works really well. Mm. Yeah, it works. It works so well. And here, it like what I love about it is when it's those early exchanges. It go Stuart Fulton will they'll quite happily go into snooker commentary mode. Yeah, it's a little bit of quiet, a little bit of build up. Masato Tanaka forty eight. You know that that kind of <laughs> stuff. Yeah. It really is. It's. Like you love it, and then they'll bring the little stats up on the screen as well, and all, all of that stuff. And I, I think they're the things about the presentation where you go, "That's what you need to go for here." Like you're you're making this accessible, and the way that they deliver their commentary is very very accessible. I mean, you don't hear, and they've gotten better, and it feels like you know we blow smoke up their ass on this, but in some ways they're not reinventing the wheel. They're not trying to be like kind of a double act necessarily per se, other than they, a couple of commentators commentating on professional wrestling mm. the end. And they know when to sit out as well, I think. They don't just constantly talk. They will just let something just breathe and just let mm. something happen and then make that one line at the end of it as well. Uh, just, yeah, I can't, I can't praise these two. Can't can't praise these two enough. You just think for there, where you're pulling out like Jericho for shouting and talking all over the stuff, and you just yeah. <laughs> you know you just think like this is the this is the uh, you know the antithesis I suppose of sports entertainment commentary is it, it is sports commentary and treating it like a sport yeah. and talking about it like in in, in, in that way and it, it it really works. And um, they know what they they know um, if they were watching what they'd want to hear. I think that's the benefit of coming yeah. at it from like a fan perspective, isn't it? And technically, they know stuff. You know what the, you know what moves are. They're, to, they're they're referencing it as you know being particular jujitsu, um, um, you know holds or judo holds and things like that that have been done as well. Which again just adds that element of realism and just to it, which is the way the Noah product should be presented. You know, so it's, uh, totally. yeah, it's a, it's a plus. I did watch that. Um, I did watch that six man before it as well, where uh, where uh, Muta got the pin over uh, Daiki and Abba, and then they then challenged for the uh, tag titles. So poor old uh, Kato Kimia from your uh, your draft, Benno. Oh, I think he's going to be staring. At, I think he's going to be staring at the lights to uh, to him again. I can't, I can't see him getting the uh, finally getting the win over uh, Muto at, uh, at this point. I think that's uh, further down the line. I think he's going to uh, beat him uh, beat him once or twice more before we get to that point. But yeah, fucking. Uh, how long we got left on that contract clock ticking <laughs> I, I, think, I think there's about 40 months left I think <laughs> and there is at least we like the end of 2022 God Christ I know God knows what he will have done by that point and who's like what other things will have obliterated along the way mm-hmm. well um, on that note JP you had some notes on a, on another Japanese legend wow. you wanted to, um, to mention too I I wouldn't say notes necessarily. I squeezed this in before recording tonight, but I felt duty bound. Someone should watch uh, Suo wrestling uh, combined with FMW E and uh, yeah, Matt we've all got IWTV by the way, and you're the only one who bothered. Yeah. And I'm the only one who bothered. All three of us have got um, our own subscription as well. I'm proud of us. Yeah, it's not like us at all. Um, <laughs> it, it's what it's one of these things where. Um, 
like I wanted to see it as a spectacle. I wanted to see how it looked, like the aesthetic and everything else. Yeah, Matt Tremont versus Atsushi Anita. Um, and he came out. I mean, spoiler alert, it's not good. Um, it's a spectacle for what it is. It, it was like kind of, you know, they laid it out in a particular way where they wanted it to work. It's very odd because, I mean, I haven't seen a Matt Tremont match for a very long time, probably since I would have seen like some download of bloody Tournament of Death back in the day or something like that. And he's come out of retirement mm-hmm. and he's doing a whole series of matches. And they're also got a feud with the that 40, the Ricky Shane Page faction, whatever yeah. they're called. Um like so they've got that going on at the same time but here he comes out to like a a song by journey i think it's called like separate parts or something like that so it's very odd he comes out to that theme there's about a thousand people in this baseball stadium in new jersey so they got the location right that's impressive it's not yeah I, i i could be wrong on that but that's kind of what it looked like for that and the production was generally kind of fine it was the usual like mlj doing the ring announcing and the like and it was all very fun yeah, Cage and match has about a thousand Atsushi, as well. Sorry, yeah, that's that's that surprises yeah. me. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then um, it's more than what Anita does in Japan these days. Mm. Um, but it was it was what you kind of expected, which for the most part is Matt Tremont pissing blood, <laughs> while Anita hits him with barbed wire. Um, I sort of barbed barbed wire baseball bat, obviously, and then there's a point where like he rubs like he breaks a glass tube over his head and he like rubs the glass tubes into his tree month's belly which is quite big that was disgusting i thought i was wasn't happy about seeing that they spit mist in each other's face so at one point it looks like like tremont is really pissing blood i was like oh fuck like this is this is awful but the the explosion the first explosion like when it comes is when Tremont like falls to the outside and he falls on like what is meant to be an exploding barbed wire, but they've got lots of fireworks, but they, what the clever thing they did is they had loads of smoke in the ring. I think as soon as people saw that and went, well, it's better than AEW. So in that regard, we kind of can let this slide. Anita didn't do much, but I don't think that's a mystery at all. Um, <laughs> Evergreen statement. It was a couple I'd never seen like he, they, he hit him with a light tube, but the light tube had like some sort of flame in it. Mm. So it's like you hit him, and it's like a load of like what looked like Photoshop fire just went over Matt Tremont's head. Then he he used an entire like lighter can to spray up this board in the middle of the ring, which some bloke in a fucking terrible mask sort of handed him on the outside. That was like a board with barbed wire on it, and hip tossed. Um, Tremont on there while it was on fire and he was still on fire while he was rolling around in the ring and then Anita pinned This is great hearing you describe this <laughs> you're the yeah. deathmatch correspondent now I'm happy deathmatch John no I, I enjoyed none of it mate like, <laughs> I, I mean as a spectacle I thought they did it as well as they were going to do it I thought honestly I went in thinking this is going to be awful and I went oh, I've seen worse <laughs> and like Tremont looked like it was well up for it but like other than that like would i recommend it if you've got an iwtv subscription it's a novelty to have it on there amongst the collection of daniel garcia matches but like Mm. it's a it's a very odd fit ultimately at the end of the day but do you know what it did a thousand did well they got the kind of general explosion thing right for that and it delivered what it needed to and then it ended up with anita kind of carrying out matt tremont 
I was off. I wasn't interested in that. I'll be honest. Like my true man, don't don't care. Like Anita, no. I'll, I'll see the gifts, and I'm happy with that. I saw Ruckus was on the undercard. And I was like, oh, maybe I should watch this. And then it was in a rumble, so I was like, ah, fuck that. Uh, and then I saw um, the ROH legend Bobby Dempsey, not Clint, um, was in the on the show as well. But again, in a 27 person lucha rules match or something like that. I was like yeah no thanks yeah. i'll stick to me gcw this is uh yeah not looking much worse but it looked like cool it did it look yeah. like a cool setting from uh from what i saw like it's like nowhere no, uh, no yeah. small feet doing a thousand your favorite neil diamond cut was in that rumble as well oh, maybe you should be watching it that's it oh. and, uh, <laughs> that, that poor fella along with ninja mac for reasons follows me on twitter now fucking the shite he must see all because we we named the podcast after him one time <laughs> hopefully he did well i hope hopefully he's doing well wish, Career wish highlight. Best. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it is uh um, but yeah, I suppose yeah. The, the only other thing we were going to mention uh, before we go, obviously, yeah, we did mention at the top, Gareth. You got to uh, to TNT. Any uh, any notable highlights um, for that? I mean, it was it was a you know it was a fun show. Like at the end of the day, it's like this was the afternoon this. Sunday show, wasn't it? Rather than Extreme Fields, yeah, yeah. There are Extreme Fields on the Saturday, which I think was you know I think there was eighteen matches on that show, and it was. You know, it was in the crazy house, which was a, which was a draw to me alone. Was what was you know watching matches in the crazy house, but you know ultimately didn't end up going just because I was a bit unsure about the format of it with the volume of matches and some bands that I probably didn't want to see. And I was thinking, am I going to have to watch some of these matches or not? We were talking yesterday at the show and mm. saying almost if you had like a festival lineup where you knew this match is happening at half two and this band's on at four and things like that, you know, it might have been something like that might have worked better. And if you'd have sort of gone into the format knowing the way that was going to work, it no, might have been something to avoid that, junior. That, 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 yeah, exactly. Exactly. That it might have been something to, uh, something to pull you in, but no, I, I knew I would go to one of the shows. I ended up going to the one on the Sunday. And mm. To be honest, I think often the Sunday shows can be better with, with, with TNT. It's, you know, they've got the main shows that they, that they run, which, you know, do it's where they will get, you know, book bigger names, I suppose. But in the past, it would have been fly-ins and things. Now, it typically is where they book people who are like bigger names on the, the British scene, whereas the, the second-day shows are normally sort of their, their smaller shows where there's people who are like younger and maybe a bit more localised and, you know, come through training academies and things. But they, they, they do build stories into these, you know, very well. And, you know, it's something where even where I've missed a couple, you know, the last couple of those, there's still storylines that are running through and underlying previously and there's still sort of, you know, you you see things presented in such a way that it's it's easy to get up to, to speed. And like I say, you know, it was, it was a show that, it was an afternoon show on a Sunday that's, you know, more family-friendly, good storytelling, you know, matches were good enough, you know, along the, along the part. I don't think there was a match on there that I thought shit the bed or was, wasn't unenjoyable or anything like that. You know, there was a couple of uh, injuries on there, which were a bit um, disappointing. Like Sandy Beach looked really good. I know he's someone who you've done a feature on before, haven't you? If, uh, um, if, uh, um, FSM it was um, FSM at the, yeah that's right at the, at the time and he was, he was he was he looked he looked great in the match and his he just, he was crowd work was fantastic but he separated his shoulder so that match finished 
early and he was stretched off. So it looks like he's out for a bit, which is a which is a shame because you know someone who on his comeback there looked like he'd be adding value to the Northwest scene. He had some fun stuff where the tag team synergy were dressed up as the Legion of Doom, and you know. Um, you had um, Gene Money as the Undertaker and doing like Undertaker spots and things like that, which oh, again got a good laugh. Got a good laugh. Got a good laugh on, the, on an afternoon show. We're not we're not talking a five star rating matches here, but just for a for a show to go go um, have a have a good laugh. But main match of the day was the the main event. It was JJ Webb and Scott Oberman against Tom Thelwell and Cameron Solis, and that's one where they have had a storyline running through there around the you know. Oberman and Solis have had a feud for a while. Tom Thelwell's got like a briefcase to get the belt that Oberman currently holds, and they had a cracking tag match. It was, you know, it was it was you know easily the the match on the show, best match of the show, and it was a step up. And they weaved the storyline in quite well with their potential cashing at the end with with Thelwell um, as well, potentially taking that book, then getting a beat down just to set up some more stuff for the future. So it's it's very much you know good meat and potatoes you know, wrestling, family, storytelling, really. And for 15 quid, I had a good afternoon out there. And I think, all in all, I probably had a better time going to that show than I would have watching 18 matches and some shite bands on the uh, on, on the Saturday, probably, as well, for a for a higher higher fee. So, yeah, I think it's it, it's one of those. It's not something you'd ever be saying to anybody, you know, check this out on demand and sit in your house and watch this on TV, but just for something to go along to for two, two and a half hours and just get a decent bit of wrestling and see some young people as they're uh, as, as a starting out and improving, well worth a visit. Please, I went and I'll be, uh, I'll be there for the next one. You know, mentioned there, Callum Corrie again, getting an injury. Ethan Allen's injured as well, isn't he? Like Andy was saying, that, mm-hmm. that, that come with like that last catch show. That's a real shame for like the uh, the Northwest scene as well. Like, yeah, but uh, Rev Pro as well. I mean, you know, I was going to say, not just the Northwest scene, Rev Pro, isn't it? Because yeah. obviously they've been working that one in for that Aussie Open. Um, um, even are we still papers. allowed to plug Tom Thelwell in, or is that not accepted anymore? With his uh, changing uh, and looking after, I'll, I'll look. if we got him in the door in Rev Pro, I'm just saying it could be a, a, yeah. a temporary fix. Oh, he hasn't got a Northwest strong tattoo. Uh, sorry, Northwest uh, strong tracksuit top, so he's not he's not allowed in. There's, there's other people who've got the tracksuit top, so, uh, <laughs> so clearly, clearly, clearly separating himself uh, at, at this point. But mm. um, yeah, no, I'm saying that Ridgeway will just slot in, won't he? Like that makes sense. Again, again you mm. probably put you put, probably put Ridgeway there, but yeah, just what a shame. Just as they're getting that profile a match, you mm. know, in Rev Pro for for Ethan to be uh, to be injured again because um, I think mm. he was out. He's out probably about twelve yeah. months ago, wasn't he? Eighteen months ago as well. So you know, mm, it seems like he's time. had a, a bit, a bit of bit of bad, bit of bad luck. So yeah, fingers crossed he gets himself uh, all all back to health as soon as possible. Because um, yeah, we just want them them two lads to keep going on that trajectory that they have been going. Definitely, yeah. You know, we talked about that catch didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, and it was kind of like, yeah, it didn't really interest me. And then they put that match up with him in Ridgeway on YouTube, and I don't think I ever talked about it on this podcast. I think I just talked it on BWE. I watched it, I loved it, and it was like, you know what? You know, we were saying yesterday, weren't we? Go, ah, maybe actually consider going to a, a catch on one of those Monday nights just for a, a Monday night out in Manchester, I suppose. But it's mainly around seeing those lads. Like, they're, they're the draw for me at the moment as far as, like, Northwest shows go. So, yeah, hopefully he's not out too long. Yeah, you know, and, and, and again, I think, that, and they're also ones as well. When you, you know, when you get to, I mean, this is what I love about going to 
you know, local wrestling as well as seeing, you know, seeing this where you do get a handful of people who you do know they are on the cusp of bigger things and just getting to see them in those smaller venues and just see them imp- improve literally every time you watch them as well, really. So, so again, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll do spotlight on a Tuesday in a couple of weeks and we'll get ourselves to Manchester then. There you go. Sounds like a plan, mate. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll be doing that. We'll be going to uh, to Newcastle, hopefully, um, to see some North too. All Yay. of it, Reds coverage. Same professionals here. Uh, I'm not just palming exactly. it all over to Andy on BWA. I'll do my part. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I did feel bad I didn't go, come to the show with you yesterday. It was just that, like that family commitment, unfortunately. Selfish bloody out, nephew. I had a great yeah. time in the show, so, yeah, me and Tiago. I was going to say, he was taking a 2 one pill to the pub. <laughs> What a role. Sounds terrible. What a role model. <laughs> it was just a, a quick bite after a meal. That's all it was. Um, I, I, I tell you what, at least you had your eye on them because that was uh, one thing at the uh, at the show yesterday. There was this couple there and they had a kid. Must have only been, no, it, it, it can't have been more than one. Mm. And they were just like, watching the show and just letting this kid just wander off behind. And I just saw it like just wandering, wandering towards the door. And then suddenly the mum's like, where's, where's my kid? Where's my kid? I was like, it's over there. Went and, <laughs> you know, I'd, the dad instincts kicked in and mm. I'd uh, <laughs> Step in. made sure, made sure one of us was keeping a protective eye over their child as they uh, got deep into the air wrestling. Because they're done with you in Portugal, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both told terrible jokes at exactly the same time <laughs> i'll fix it in the edit so we both found a number of uh, two separate cases involving the city of liverpool <laughs> and children and we both mentioned it at the same time shame shame <laughs> us. oh um so yeah <laughs> on that note anything else anyone's doctors were they <laughs> Oh, guys, I've got nothing. I, uh, tonight I had a nap and watch Succession. I'd highly recommend it uh, rather than watch any more wrestling. So maybe we can talk about that in the pro show. Um, but yeah, if that's it. I haven't seen any of the series yet. I need to catch up massively. But, um, yeah. So I said, oh, JP. No, I will do. <laughs> All right, well, any plugs? Anyone want to mention, JP? I can't think of any other than go to the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash grapple. We've got some really fun ideas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and stuff coming up so yeah looking forward to it yeah we'll be doing Robert Brocky's show this week so yeah look forward to that yes yes we will yeah Yar? Yar. same as always from me get yourself on Google Play get yourself on App Store download that app we're coming up to nearly a million ratings that have been entered in the app since uh, since it was launched. So I'm very keen to hit that million mark by the end of the year. So yeah if you've uh, not been rating for a while get on there get those ratings in if you've never downloaded it you know what to do. Excellent. Who's the millionth? Who's going to have the most rated matches? <laughs> I'm proud. Can't say that because of uh, data protection acts. But they <laughs> never stops Delta. <laughs> there might be a, there might be a, there might be a T-shirt in it for the millionth millionth Yay. rater. There you go. There's your prize, everyone. So yeah, do all that. Download the Grapple app, and yeah, like we say, we're back for our Isaac like, Saber Junior podcast this week. Daily updates. There'll be a weekend show uh, on Friday as well, and yeah, all of that good stuff. But other than that, we'll catch you again for another spotlight this time next week. See you all. Bye. Bye.